Welcome to Free Fall RC Podcast. All right. Welcome to another episode of Free Fall RC Podcast. I'm Steve, and here with me is Kevin. Hey, guys. We have Andy. Hey, now. George. Howdy. And we have, uh, howdy, oh, that's different. <laughs> <laughs> and we have, uh, guest host, Paul Androly. How you doing? Hey, okay. Paul. Uh, this is episode 232. Tune it up with Paul Androly. Nice. Right. So let's. Uh, is this let's another guitar show? Maybe. Damn it. Guitar tuning? <laughs> I wanted to say, you know, George, whenever I hear somebody go howdy, I always want to go duty. You should have. I've just been feeling kind of Western lately. So. Howdy. Nice. <laughs> All right. So <laughs> let's catch up with everyone's week. Who wants to go first? I can go first. All right. Well, I went uh, camping last week and, of course, missed the show, but we had a really good time. Went to the KOA East in Asheville and had two really nice big lakes in it. Steve Hodges, RC Jet dude, came over with his one of his uh, submarines and put on a big demonstration for everybody there at the campground in the lake. It was really cool. I had a little remote control boat and he would dive underneath me and stuff. But to see that thing go under like that and, you know, not be able to see it and know where it is. And then it resurfaced again. Pretty, uh, pretty nerve wracking. Now, but, is that the one from 20,000 leagues? No, now he, he's having some issues with it. It got a leak in it and he had to work on it. But this is the French, I think it's called Renaudible. Okay. And, uh, but, um, yeah, it was really neat. I had, had, probably 20 kids and that many adults out there watching him. And uh, I posted some video there on Tired Iron Aviation. But uh, it was really cool. We had a good time, relaxed. I just basically didn't do anything. We just sit there and look at the lake. After that, came home, started getting ready for our 4th of July fly-in. Been mowing every time it's not raining and sometimes during. But uh, hope to have all that done by Thursday night. It'll start coming in. It's been my week. Cool. Um, I could go next. Did I sim on Saturday? On Friday? I don't remember. You did. You did, right? These days all blur. (laughs) It's oh yes, I did sim. Yes. Man. But I can't I don't know. It's like every day is just another day and it's all blurring together. But um yeah. Every day is another day. I was gonna say (laughs) (laughs) You beat me to it. So what did I do? Um, yeah, simmed a bit on Friday, uh, but Thursday and Friday, I basically took some time to build that crack in 580. Um, it went together so quickly. I kind of coughed on it and it built itself. So nice. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Then Saturday came around and I went to the club field to fly a little bit. Uh, met up with Paul and a couple other folks and. Uh, we made in the 580. It was successful. It, you know, definitely need to kind of tune it a little here and there, but felt good. And so far, I'm liking it. I got to get some more flight time on it. Didn't really have much time that day. Uh, by the time we got battery charged, and oh yeah, oh besides that, oh, I forgot. How did I forget this? Um, I totally forgot that. I totally forgot <laughs> that I I left my blades. For that, I left my 
700 blades and also 580 blades. And my batteries, yes. And my batteries at home. So I got I to gotta give it up to, uh, to my wife. Um, I gave her a call, and she's like, you want me to drive it out to you? And I said, yes, please. <laughs> and she drove it. She drove an hour and 10 minutes to the field or so to drop off the blades and uh, my batteries. Damn, you owe her, dude. <laughs> Big time, yeah, yeah for sure. Um, but yeah, yeah, got the battery charged, did the flight, it was fun. And then I was like, oh, I got to go. So <laughs> I ended up having to run. Uh, that's pretty much been my week as far as RC, yes. Uh, let's see. Dude, I will take it from there. Yeah, go for it. Uh, went to, uh, I'm going to kind of jump around. Went to the field on Saturday and did some flying. And it wasn't a lot of guys. It was uh, Sam Larson, not Larson, uh, and Mike D and Tony and a couple other guys. It was like Sunday. Jet Day. Uh, on Sunday, yeah, sorry. Uh, yeah, I even wrote Saturday. Um, Saturday was, uh, I was spending time with the wife because it was our anniversary. And uh, that was pretty cool. Nice. But Sunday went flying. And, dude, I got a chance to sit down and talk to Sam for a little bit. And what a story he has on, you know, just life in general and where he is in in the hobby and how he got there and what he does for a living. And it just – it really is is what we always talk about, the community and the hobby and the people in the hobby. It's just amazing to me. Like, if I didn't wasn't in this hobby, I wouldn't know – any of you guys that I'm talking to now, and I, I wouldn't like run across these great people that are have these amazing jobs and, and these amazing stories, man. It's just really cool, and it's turning out to be one of the greatest parts of this hobby, man. It really is. So it was yeah, cool totally. talking to Sam. I told him we should get him on the show mm-hmm. um, if he if he was down to come on. And uh, so that was that was uh, Sunday. Going back to Friday night, we went, to, we did the sim, and that was a lot of fun. Steve, you were there. Andy was there. Um, Sam was there. Craigle Jr. showed up again. Shaggy showed up. Uh, I forget who else was on, but uh, I just had Florida. a couple of drinks. And, you know, ta- and talking to Sam, this is what ties it in, the two together. Talking to Sam uh, on, on Sunday, you know, he said something to me about simming. Like, he got a lot out of Friday night sim session, just in two hours, just hanging out and BSing and simming. You know, he, he was like, I'm doing stuff. I don't even realize I'm doing it. And, you know, it's just, I'm having a great time. And both him and Mike D said the same thing. They were like, you know, we got to keep this up because they're having so much fun with it, mm-hmm. which I totally nice. agree. And, and Mike D was like, I think I've simmed. I haven't simmed uh, that much in my entire life, you know, and, or, or Sam, mm-hmm. one of one of them said something I, like the most they'd ever simmed at once. What time was like ten minutes, and then you I've know two hours go by. Start, I've got to get on there and start doing that. Yeah, sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, you it do. is, George. Yeah. Just a big you know hangout, and you know we're flying. Yeah, even if you're not flying, just to hang out on Discord and bullshit with us, it's fun, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, and flying was good. I flew my uh, six ninety, my Oxy five. I. I nice. got a crazy like notion as I was leaving the garage to throw the willy nilly's barnstormer in the Jeep. And, uh, I figured what the hell I'm made in that, you know? Uh-huh. And, uh, dude, put a 802 S battery in it. I got that, I don't know, uh, quad motor on the front and, you know, yeah, how'd it do? A little five gram servos. 
I didn't have to trim it out at all. I was so surprised that I didn't really have to. Nice. I think maybe I gave it some elevator after the first flight. Mm-hmm. Um, but I flew, I flew for like two minutes and I was like, all right, let me land and check the battery. And I think I had like 85% left <laughs> in the battery. I was shocked, man. So I got a, you know, I got a couple more minutes of flying in and, you know, it flies like a balsa plane of that size. It doesn't fly like a flight test plane because it's got some heft to it at that size, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but it was, it was pretty cool. It was, I'm, I'm like anxious to build the cub now. I want to build something with a little ground maneuverability to it. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah, it, it really is a pretty good plane. The only complaint I had was the five gram servos, man. One of one of them was sticking. One of my ailerons was was like sticking. Oh, really? Okay. If I if I gave it a lot of throws, so I cut the throws way down and gave it yeah, some yeah. expo, and it was fine. And those ailerons are like the length of the wing, so you don't really need a lot, which was cool. And then I was messing around uh, with some three D printing. If you want to time jump ahead like five minutes, you can miss all the good stuff I'm about to say. Uh, oh, that that was for the Heliots, huh? That was for them, for Mike Sobey. Mm-hmm. my buddy uh but i was i was thinking about what andy said about that uh nitro jug thing that i made and how yeah you know it possibly could tip over and he was you know he, he's right because the weight is all kind of on one side you got the battery on the one side and the pump on the one side so i said you know what let me see if i can design something that kind of goes over the whole top and and has maybe because we were talking about tools the other episode so maybe i can make like a little container that has tools on one side and then the battery in the pump on the other side like kind of hangs over both sides so i started messing around with that and uh got a little bit you know because I, I wanted to model the jug first and then figure out how i'm gonna uh get stuff to lay over the top of it so i was messing around with that and uh that seems to be coming along pretty cool let's see what i see what i get <laughs> as i go nice. you know i was yeah. gonna text you guys and be like hey what uh what tools you know would you would you recommend uh, like how big of a space for tools, you know, I was thinking about just making either something that clips in with magnets or is hinged on the bottom, maybe or something. I don't know. I mean, to tell you the truth on your nitro jug, all I would put is like maybe like a little pocket for some glow, um, some plugs, right? Glow plugs. And then the glow plug tool. Yeah. Yeah. You can put an igniter on there if you just want white. Yeah, yeah, and igniter yeah. would be good too. Just in case, I have one of those know. older ones. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. do you have anything on the bottom of that thing, like a a base for the jug? No, because I was kind of thinking that would the... be the the cure all of everything. Is yeah. is a base that was like two inches wider than the jug or something, just to give it yeah, a little was... more stability, and you wouldn't even have to do anything else. I was kind of thinking about that at one point, but I wanted something that I could just like hang over the handle and like Velcro around the handle to make it like just removable and not a big pain in the ass. Mm. Why not just make like something that you could, put the jug into? Yeah. Like press fit. Mm-hmm. I could do that. Yeah. I mean, you have the bigger printer now. You don't right? have so. to come up like two or three inches and be two or three inches bigger diameter than the jug. That'd keep yeah. it from tipping over. I could definitely make something like that. Yeah, maybe yeah. something that's just like press um, it down in there. It doesn't have to be like fastened, really. Yeah, I just made something similar know. for the surround sound that I had. Yeah, there uh, you go. Like bases, you know. Mm-hmm. Cool. So I think that's all I've been doing, man. If I miss something, um, you know, if I miss somebody from Simon, uh, sorry, but uh, uh, that was that was a lot of fun. 
didn't get didn't go to Florida, obviously. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, kind of a good thing we didn't because the wife's job, my job, was definitely saying we're gonna I'm gonna have to quarantine, and then her job was like on the fence, and then two people just came back from Florida. I think yesterday, and she said they're in quarantine. They they made a mandatory quarantine before they come back to work. So yeah, yeah. I want to really wanted to go down there and chill out, but uh, eh, it was kind of better that we didn't go. Yeah, yeah. at this point, it sucks, but it might work out for the best. Yeah, yeah. So that's it for me. Who's next? Who's Andy? left me. Andy, what'd you do this week? Uh, other than Sam, absolutely nothing. Oh, man. Yeah. But I had a good time on the Sam, and I didn't write down all the guys that were with us, so I forgot everyone. I do remember Steve Shaw was there, and Shaw. Uh, John Partridge, of course, Greg yeah. both showed up again. Nice. Uh, who else was there? And Shaggy kept Shaggy. told Shaggy to go hide the shovel somewhere because he kept digging himself deeper. And- <laughs> oh my gosh! Uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Poor Shaggy. Uh, he's a, he's a good dude. I know. He, he just he needs like a good talking to or a swift kick in the head or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you know. But he's anyway, a little, he's a little old for that. Wouldn't you like to be a big brother to someone like me? Yeah, but I think he needs that. I think he needs some guidance or something. But anyway, so yeah, that was fun. Um, yeah, it was cool. Yeah, I didn't fly. I didn't work. I didn't start building the Oxy-5. I didn't finish repairing. I did nothing. Damn, dude. I don't have any excuses other than I've been busy with work stuff. Okay, so at least you've been working. I did. I did. Yeah, I spent all day today running a jackhammer. So that was kind of interesting. But a plant corn with a jackhammer? No, I was was busting rocks. A big jackhammer. We rented a uh, excavator, Komatsu two ten, with a big giant. Jeez. I need that over at my house. I was just going to say that. Yeah. Steve needs that of his driveway. It works pretty good. I've got rocks anywhere from the size of a small Korean car <laughs> up, up to like a pickup truck. Sure. We're, we're yeah. busting them. It's like a small Korean car for sure, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I could definitely uh, use that. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, there is a small car right next to the rock. <laughs> no, that was fun. I got a couple more days of that ahead of me, but always something interesting going on around here. But no well, RC stuff. Point. So, all right. Yeah, man. All right, let's uh, catch up with Paul. All right. What's going on? What's going on, guys? Yeah. Um. So last week I uh, traveled down to Jersey with the girlfriend and uh, flew with Steve in Jersey and uh, had a great time. Flew Nitro the whole entire time. Uh, had an awesome time catching up with uh, everyone. And uh, yeah, and then Friday I uh, made my Cronus Nitro at the local field and uh, everything went great. 
machine feels awesome and uh, no issues so far. So I'm pretty excited uh, to keep on flying this machine. Nice. Awesome, man. Hey, yeah. was, Mr. was Mr. K at the field, Steve? He, he was. Because I believe it was him that then on Sunday said, you know that guy, Paul? And I said, yeah. Uh, he, he was like, he was here yesterday flying the helicopters. He was like, oh, my word. He was like, he took <laughs> off and we just stopped and everybody was looking at him. He's very good. I'm like, yeah, he's awesome, man. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, yeah, he's good. Uh-huh. I said he was flying nitro, right? He was like, yeah. Yep. Yeah, I, I, ever since I started flying nitro again, it's it seems like I've gotten my mojo back, kind of. Nice, uh, yeah. Ever since XFC. Uh, yeah. It's definitely what I prefer. Well, next time I see you at the field, I got a few questions for you, dude. I don't, I don't want to yeah. clog up what we have in store right now for uh, the, this show. Yeah, no but, problem. But just uh, flying in general. Yeah, no problem. Just curious. Any questions you guys have, let me know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we're actually going to ask you a couple questions right now. Sweet. I got a yeah, question. Uh... How do I not yeah. suck? <laughs> <laughs> Practice. Use your orientation. Nah, that takes too long. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So let's go kind of into the questions to get to know Paul first. Uh, Let's see. So where are you located? So currently I'm located in uh, Long Island, New York. Um, I'm originally from upstate New York in the Albany, Saratoga area. Uh, about an hour north of Christiamani, actually. Okay. Um, so that's where I was born, raised, and yeah. Awesome. Uh, how long have you been in the hobby? I have been in the hobby since I was uh, ten years old or so. Um, that's when I first started flying and dabbling and flying RC helicopters and planes and uh, started getting the interest. Nice. Uh, so do you mainly just fly helicopters or do you also fly planes or and or multi-rotors? So um, I do fly planes and uh, hybrid versions, versions of planes and multi-rotors as well mm-hmm. um, for work. Uh, okay. But for, for a hobbyist standpoint, I mainly just fly helicopters. Yes. Nice. So kind of talked about your work. What do you do for a living? So I work for a robotics company uh, that is also a uh, R&D contracting company. Um, We do lots of different stuff. The name of the company is ULC Robotics. We mainly do pipeline robotics for the natural gas industry. But we also do a lot of DOD and DOT contracts uh, as well. Uh, we have an aerial services uh, division, and I'm part of that division for their development and their regular commercial work. Wow, man. Cool. So we develop as well as uh, uh, fly our commercial assets that we develop. So what do you have? Uh, you have a little robot that goes through the uh, the pipes? Is that what you... So, is that so, what for, so I, I personally am not part of the pipeline robotics division, uh, but... 
we have uh, the only robots in the world that are able to go into live gas mains while they're pressurized and running. Uh, oh. So the utility doesn't run, run out of any, they, they're not running out of uh, any money as far as uh, mm-hmm. producing the product. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, the the robot is actually able to take and go to each individual joint on the cast iron uh, uh, in, while it's in the pipe and uh, inspect and repair the cast iron pipe. Um, wow. We have That's a division insane. as wow. well. We have robots underneath Buckingham Palace 24-7. Repairing no the, kidding. Uh, yes, sir. And, and the five boroughs and um, all over the Northeast. Um and that's what the company mainly does. And right now, uh, ever since four years ago, um, the owner of the company has uh, shown a great interest in the unmanned aircraft systems uh, market and understands the uh, the potential growth for getting into that market early mm-hmm. and uh, discovering all the advantageous uh, uh, services in the utility industry uh, mm-hmm. that we could take advantage of. So. Uh, I'm part of that team. Wow, oh, that's, that's cool. You, nice. You mentioned hybrid top aircraft. What do you mean by that? Or pl- so planes. aircraft that are both electric and oh, okay, power systems. Okay, I got gotcha. you. Also take off vertically and fly horizontally. Right. Nice. So um, aircraft that uh, have two flight profiles as well as two means of uh, lift. Right. Wow, cool. Yes, sir. Best of both worlds. Yes, yeah. sir. Oh, cool. Uh, let's see. So, do you have sponsors? I do have sponsors. Um, my main sponsor is uh, Amin Hobbies. Um, then following that is Exnova Motors. Then following that is VTX Rotor Blades, nice. HRB Batteries, and uh, Mikado USA. Oh, awesome. very nice. Oh, excuse me, and expert servos. Nice. All right, pretty full lineup there. Uh, so, talk about your sponsors. What's in your fleet? What do you fly primarily? So, I um, I have a little bit of everything at the moment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have uh, I have two Kraken electrics. I have two Mikado seven hundred electrics. Nice. Uh, I have a Kraken Nitro. I have a Protoss Nitro and uh, another helicopter that I'm not allowed to say. <laughs> okay. Oh, jeez. But, nice. a little, like I said, a little bit of everything. I, I, I'm i still finding out what I like. <laughs> okay. But awesome. all great machines. Are you not allowed to talk about it because it's not out there yet? Is it it's prototype? Uh, no, sir. No. Okay. <laughs> okay. I won't press you any further. I was just curious. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, Do you guys have any other questions? Oh, sorry. Do you like how it flies? The undisclosed um, helicopter? Yes. Yes, sir. It flies very well. It is a very well-built machine that uh, I enjoy flying very much. (laughs) Good deal. Sounds like a very good machine. Is it 3D printed? No, one kidding. Is it a Raptor 90? <laughs> it's a Raptor 90. I have one other question. Yes, sir. Is this a is this a helicopter that you would probably want to fly every day? Yes, sir. Enough said. There you go. Okay. 
Is there any other questions for Paul? Shall we move into the main topic here? Um, I have a few questions for Paul, um, but it's not. It's, I guess it's kind of related to the main topic. I don't know if I should save them or ask them now. What do you think? Ask them I now. Mean, if, yeah, go for it. I listened to the show that you were on, the undisclosed show that you were just on. Uh, and <laughs> I have a question just about ESCs. You were talking about ESCs and uh, and the percentages that you need to find. And I was wondering how you go about like getting – I know what why you want to find it. And I believe you said 70% is – where you want the prime spot to be? It's between se- between seventy and um, and I guess the top range would be between eighty five or ninety. So seventy to ninety is where you kind of want to be on the ESC's operation operational PWM range, um, and that's just based off of uh, um, hardware. So the manufacturer uh, sets that PWM range, and you set a percentage to that given range. You want to be in that that range for a reason, uh, because you're in a sweet pocket between uh, uh, being not efficient on the low end and not being efficient on the uh, top end. Okay. How do I pick a car? I I get it, but I don't know how to find that number. Is it like if you have a hundred amp ESC, you should be between seventy and ninety? Is that on your amperage so draw? The, per- the percentage is based off. I mean, I'm going based off of a, a V bar. Uh, setup um, okay but if, if you're looking at any other uh fly barless controller it'd be somewhat similar okay we're talking about your um throttle percentage kevin doesn't really have anything yeah. to do with your amperage oh okay yeah. so the, the, the flight controller is going to um command a certain uh pw well excuse me it's going to be a certain uh percentage value which is going to uh, exchange to a PWM value, uh, a pulse width modulation value to the uh-huh. ESC, which is going to output a certain RPM to the motor. Um, okay. And yeah. you want to be within that that range. Yeah. Because I'm just getting into like now that I can actually keep the helicopter in one piece for a period of time, I'm just starting to figure out like why the the gear ratio is is important. Why this amperage, sure. or why this uh, percentage ratio is important? So I'm trying to figure out how I would get to it, and just more information on that. Yeah, I mean, I think it also comes down to like what desired head speeds you're trying to get, right? So, right, exactly. the desired head speed will determine your gearing, which also determines your ESC output. So you want to make sure you gear it and your power system set up to be around that 70, 80 percent of. Um, it all starts well, at, at a mechanical level. Uh-huh. It doesn't matter what machine you're flying. It all starts at a like, like you like you said, Steve. Uh, what the gearing is the machine. Yeah. Uh, how much does the machine weigh? Do you want uh-huh. the machine to output 200 or 300 RPM more because it weighs a little bit more? Then you're uh-huh. going to gear it accordingly. Then after that, then you start looking at the machine at, at a purely electrical standpoint. Now that I have it geared properly, how am I going? How am I going to manage that mechanical uh, uh, output? which will translate into the rotor spinning. So uh, it's you have to start from a mechanical standpoint and then end at an electrical uh, standpoint. And that's kind of where uh, the main to- topics kind of start. Okay. Uh, I'll save the rest of my questions for when I actually see you. Um, <laughs> no problem. In person, but you can go on to the main topic because I have like a billion more questions about stuff. And you were uh, a huge help on, on the other show. Um, 
So I'm curious to see where we go from there uh, as far as what we're going to talk about next. Yeah. Awesome. All right. So let's move it on to the main topic here. All right. So tune it up. Let's talk about Fly Bros tuning. Awesome. All right. So let's first start with uh, just your general setup, right? Like when you first get a new helicopter set up, what are the things, you know, how do you get your general setup done? So uh, for me, the first step is uh, making sure uh, the geometry, uh, as per the uh, manufacturer's specifications, are as close as possible. We're talking about the distance from the spline of the servo to uh, where the ball is on the arm. Um, certain manufacturers tend to, you know, go towards different numbers for a reason. It has to do with phasing and the geometry of the uh, of the placement of the ball off the, the main shaft, the distance from that number. So I make sure that I'm following all that, that information uh, accordingly um, at first. Then you have to make sure that your head and your tail is set up correctly, mechanically. That's your baseline. Everything is determined off the baseline of the initial setup. So if your baseline is skewed, your, your setup and your tuning parameters will be skewed. So making sure you're starting off correctly or as correctly as possible is the first step. And that's just what I do. And afterwards, I check for cyclic and tail binding, just simple things like that. In in the V-bar setup, the cyclic limiter ring, uh, making sure that's maxed out as much as possible without binding. The way Mm -hmm. I, uh, I go about doing that is I put the stick at the top end of the collective and i move the the cyclic in all the corners and mm-hmm. all the extremes are up down left yeah. and right and i do that in middle throttle and 50 excuse me 50 percent collective yeah and i do the same process and i do the same thing for the for the low end so that sends your that, that sets your your cyclic limiter ring you want to max this value out because you want to take advantage of the most amount of mechanical uh um control authority off the cyclic as possible because you want that you want that that control range especially for doing 3d and then next i uh, i tend to look at this eight degree number for v-bar control it might mm-hmm. be different for other uh fly brawlers manufacturers but something similar uh now this eight degree number is is very important but at the same time can be different you can uh the thing about all these flybarless controllers, especially the V-bar, from what I've noticed, is that you can achieve the same control feel with very different setups and very different numbers based off of what you uh, you input, whether it's in the general setup or in the uh, the tuning parameters. And uh, I guess we'll just get into that later on. So uh, the next step after that is uh, cyclic. You have the helicopter in the air. What kind of expo am I going to run? That's the first uh, menu in the in the uh, tuning parameters for your cyclic. I tend to run twenty. As far as that, everyone else, wh- where you guys kind of lay uh, as far as uh, your uh, your cyclic uh, expo goes. I personally, I personally did thirty, um, and that number was basically something that uh, Todd Bennett told us um, to keep a rotating servo feel linear that about 30 expo in the middle helps it feel very linear yep 
So that's kind of the number I've been going through and felt good since I tried it. So I've been using that number. You know, maybe I'll dip a little less if, depending on the machine if I want a little more, you know, off-center feel. But, yeah, usually gotcha. it's about 30. Yeah, I'm the same. Think- I'm about 20 to 25 usually. Yeah. And, and you you guys know why that, that number tends to be, I mean, the generalized number between 20 to 30 is because – most people are setting their uh, reference point in the the uh-huh. yep. in the fly brawlers unit to eight degrees. So let's say you take and drop that number, that eight degrees number. Let's say you bring it to like seven point five. I know it's half a degree, but uh-huh. to the fly brawlers control that makes a huge difference as far as control feel and control yeah. authority for the given numbers that you're you're tuning off that baseline. Because once you set that eight degrees to either a value that's higher or lower, you're changing your baseline from there. So, for me, I run the VTX 697s and the 717s, depending on the machine. On all of my Nitro machines, I run 697s because I want that low disc loading because I want to take some pressure off the uh, the drivetrain for the uh-huh. Nitro engine. But for my electrics, I tend to run a, a, a bigger blade. And with that bigger blade comes a lot more authority. So, I tend to drop that number to somewhere between 7.3. And that's what kind of makes that control feel uh, feel more linear. That that axial feel that you that you uh, kind of get from the cyclic in, in a pitch or or a uh, or in a bank. Uh, mm-hmm. It makes it feel more in line with what you are commanding. So for me, I use a different reference point and then tune accordingly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and usually, my, my my expo, my electric machines. Um, Tends to be around 15 to 20, maybe a little bit lower than my nitro machines, but there's a lot of different variables. There's power delivery. Uh, there's there's a center of gravity, how the weight is displaced on the actual frame of the machine. There's a lot of different variables, but in general, uh, I tend to work off the eight degree number for any new machine like this Protoss Nitro. I started out with eight degrees. And it turns out the eight degrees was just perfect for me. I didn't feel like the okay. machine was ahead of me. I didn't mm-hmm. feel like the machine was behind me. So I kept it there. Awesome. Um, wow. This is like way beyond my <laughs> understanding of what's going on. <laughs> but so Paul, when you're, when you're changing that eight degree number, are you setting your pitch to 7.5 and telling the V bar that it's still at eight or. Yes. That's what's changed. Yes. Yeah. That, that's, okay. what's, that's changing your baseline value. Uh, so that's changing the whole way that the fly barless unit interprets your, uh, your your commands from your radio. Um, okay. So so whatever, let's say I guess let, let's say uh, fifteen degrees of travel really is ten, and who knows maybe that makes your helicopter feel like it has more expo. Mm-hmm. Like, exactly. Remember what, yeah. I said in the, remember what I said in the beginning uh, that uh, there's a lot of different means of getting the same result in control field with these fly barless units, but yeah. with drastically different setups as far as values go. Okay. Uh, but, uh, and also I've noticed, I mean, talking about Expo, how you hold the radio. Um, I, I don't, uh, I'm not a pitcher, yeah. I'm a thumber. Mm-hmm. I'm a little right. bit of a hybrid depending on the maneuver. But I, I've noticed that the guys that are pinching are using a lot more Expo because they're using a lot more travel or uh, stick, available stick on the radio. Uh, like Kyle Stacy, when I watch him fly, he's banging the sticks in all the corners. He's using all of the available travel because 
he has to because he has to move his fingers that much to get the helicopter to move the way he wants it. So with me, I'm a thumber, so I like to be more on the center and quick off center because I don't have as much authority as he does because I'm not pinching the stick, I'm thumbing the stick. But I guess we can go on the next topic. Yeah. So agility, yeah, I use a hundred. I okay. use a, a, a high higher value. I use 122. I don't know where you guys are. But uh, 110. That's what I use. Pretty close. Yeah. So I guess we can go into gain now. Mm-hmm. So cyclic gain. So how do you guys tend to find out if your helicopter is overgained on the cyclic parameter? What's your general method? I beat the shit out of the helicopter and see what it tells me. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Basically, I'd see if there's any type of head bobble, um, hard collective stops, hard collective moves. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Any Anybody else? Yeah, I can't really. I'm trying to think if there's a point where I've noticed that where it hasn't been my thumbs. <laughs> I mean, when you do a TikTok and you can see like the tail going. Well, oh, that would be tail. Yeah, I'll yeah, tell that's... you guys that mm-hmm. the best maneuver to do for cyclic uh, tuning, as far as uh, gain goes, is putting the helicopter nose in and doing sharp jabs to the left and right. And the cyclic gain value, if it's overgained, the helicopter will translate a very abrupt, sharp bobble or oscillation. Mm-hmm. And it okay. cannot be mismatched with an optimizer value because the optimizer value can also be mistaken for gain and a lot of people taken kind of uh they they mistaken the two and they kind of not fully understand what the optimizer value does the optimizer value is much like the uh, like the eight degrees number it, it's it resets your ba- your baseline for a lot of uh mm. your parameters with your cyclic so okay. An optimizer value, if it's over, if it's overgained or if the value is too high, you'll uh, you do the same type of maneuver, uh, or I tend to do the same type of maneuver. I will put the helicopter in a stable hover upright and do quick jabs to the left or right. And uh, if I can get rid of that oscillation that's sharp and quick, I know my my gain value is where it needs to be for the head. And if the oscillation is more prolonged and the bobble is a little bit slower, then I know my optimizer is too high because the optimizer couples everything, P gain, I gain, and D gain, but mostly I gain in my opinion, because I gain is the, how your how the, the flight controller takes and interprets the value over uh, the whole course of the control input how much it ramps up, how much it ramps down. So um, when I tune a helicopter, these are the things I'm looking for in, in the rotor head when, I, uh, when I'm tuning initially. So, so kind of talking about the optimizer, I actually had a question about that with the cyclic stuff. Um, do you do trim or optimization flights? I do not. So for any 700 size machine, Mm-hmm. You're, uh, and, and I kind of learned this from a few people in the hobby that are much better pilots than I am, um, than I, I will ever be, <laughs> um, that uh, you want to be in the range of anywhere between 45 to 60 for any 700 size machine. 
personally, I've seen the whole spectrum. So from the Logo 700 Extreme that I used to fly back in the day, mm-hmm. that machine I was flying at 48 to 44 because uh, I was flying a heavy machine that had a tall main shaft and you needed a lower optimization value because the mechanical the mechanical gain that was coming off the rotor head or the mechanical authority from the rotor head was much more than what you see now today because of just the pure geometry and uh, layout of the machine and the fact that it was a little bit heavier than how machines are today. Um, sure. But for all the more modern day 700 size machines, I've seen that I start at 60 and I don't touch it. Whether it's a Kraken, whether it's a Logo 700, whether it's a Protoss Nitro, or or anything else, 60 seems to be the value where I kind of keep it at and I kind of set it and forget it. I don't even do an optimization flight. Uh, do you recommend people doing a trim flight, you know, on a nice calm day? So, personally, if you have your uh, swash leveled, Mm-hmm. And if you have a swash leveling tool and use it properly, there's no need for a trim flight. If you have mm-hmm. mechanically set up perfect mm-hmm. or as perfect as you, perfect as you can, uh, even to the trained eye, I don't think you're going to be able to see the inconsistencies in the flight controller. And your CG is correct. And yeah, if your CG, CG, that's that's right. also a great point. See, if your CG mm-hmm. is correct, especially with an electric machine, that uh, you can change the CG drastically by moving the batteries forward or aft so right nice so i guess going into cyclic still Uh i have style um yeah that's a big mystery for lots yeah so so where do you guys kind of uh you know put your style on your machine as far as uh your setup goes i think i'm at uh 95 i think i haven't looked at that in a long time i don't touch it I leave it. You say at a hundred, Steve? Yeah, whatever it is default, I usually leave it. Especially initially on a, you know, on a, when I'm flying a new, like say the Kraken Five E, like I don't tune anything. I just leave it default, and then I see what the helicopter feels like with the defaults before I adjust. But usually, I I don't. Maybe I'll turn it down a little bit, but I don't really mess with it. I did find myself turning it up uh, after one season, after last season. I think towards the end, I was like. Kind of looking for a little more, or kind of getting used to it. So I turned, I think well, I turned both of them up a little bit. Yeah, I mean, well, make sure like style is different than like your agility. If you wanted to turn up like your rates, the style is like how yeah, robotic the robotic. It feels, robotic right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yep, yeah, yep. exactly. So if you guys uh, ever played with style, um, I guess the most simplest way of of putting it is if you lower the style, you're gonna feel more like a fly bar, a fly barred helicopter. And if you uh, raise the style, you're going to feel more like a robotic uh, helicopter. The machine's going to be, uh, it's going to feel a little bit more locked in. Maybe you've heard that term before. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, so, like yes, the, the locked in term. But on the other side, right, like Kevin and I, you know, we might have flown like a 450 flyboard, but we sucked back then even, you know. So it's like. I don't know what to really like when people say like, oh, it feels a little more fly barlish. Like, I don't really understand what that means. It's loose because it's not as so, like, tight. As, you know, when so you stop. the lower your style is, the more mm-hmm. loose, the more loose and the more uh, elastic the flight controller reacts to your um, 
control input. That's the best way I can describe it. And there's probably a much better way of interpreting this. And uh, if anyone else has anything to say about that, I'm sure there's a better way. Um, Not self-leveling, but just kind of, uh, just kind of finds the center. Yes, no, no, it, but it's, it's how it finds center, but also how the machine uh, reacts to your input initially and, and towards the end. It's it's the it probably envelops the whole entire control input at a, at a whole. That's how I kind of feel like the uh, the style manipulates the the control field of the helicopter. If you want the machine to feel more loose and uh, more free feeling off center. Uh, I would tend to go at a lower style. I've seen styles as low as 50 before, yeah. and I've flown them before, and they fly really good. It's just that when you start to go into these faster maneuvers, you start pirouetting or doing some axial rolls, you tend to lose some uh, some uh, precision as far as uh, your control input. So your sac it's a sacrifice. It's a give and take. So if you want to take and... Uh, be precise but at the same time you want to be uh free free feeling and have an elastic feel off center uh i'd be somewhere in between in the middle of the whole entire control suite of the flight controller so i tend to be at 80 i said i set 80 for for all of my machines and i don't change it because uh i want that middle ground feeling because if i want to smack the machine i want to be able to feel machine to be quick off center and when i want the machine to move i want to move because sometimes you can't afford to not not have it move that very second or else it's going to be in the ground right, but at the right. same time i want to be able to have the machine haul ass at you know at 100 miles an hour and do some axial rolls and it feel linear and controlled and locked in um, so yeah. I have a couple more questions about that uh, sort of loose feeling. Are you saying that like if you set the number too low, it can overshoot or do any weird like like it'll move and then kind of keep moving when even yes. though you're not giving input? Yes, it, it, because it's well. Here's the thing: it's how it's interpreting your input. It's not overshooting. It's doing exactly what you're commanding. It's just doing it at a different time and at a different manner. Hmm. Okay. So maybe it's. Maybe I'm describing it a little bit different than anyone's described it before to you in the past, but okay. to my understanding, uh, over the years of me flying and the way people have described it to me, that's how I understand it to be. So, and and that's the thing, like most people when they describe it, they always talk about the fly barless compared to the fly bar feel, right? Like it feels more like a fly bar, and you know, and I ask people, what makes a helicopter feel like a fly bar, and and I think Dan was the one that kind of like said something to me that that like it kind of clicked a little. And he said that a fly bar heli is very quick off center, but very slow after that. Yeah. So like you're like doing a roll. It'll quickly. It's mechanical stabilization. Right. So quickly when you give input, it'll quickly try to flip the heli, but then it'll kind of slow down in that flip. So you do, know? You, do you guys remember paddles? <laughs> yeah i mean i remember seeing him and save the paddles for sure you know rchn 2.0 right so, so. <laughs> you guys remember like the old school aligned paddles that were like i don't know they, they, it was they had like, holes in it right a like squ open? a squared air oh, okay. that was very thick and yeah. then you started seeing like the rotor tech uh style paddles that were tapered <laughs> and they and they had uh 
you know, a different leading edge, and you started seeing the yeah. Curtis Youngblood stuff. That they started messing around with the airfoils to try to manipulate that control field after okay. after the initial input, and right. that's the that's like mechanically doing something uh, different in your V bar control. It, it it's but it's mechanical. Right, right, right. So it's uh, it's all a different perspective. But as far as style goes, that's the best way I can. Uh, interpret it is if if you go lower, it's going to feel more elastic and free feeling off center, but maybe a little bit less precise. But as you go further up in in the style value, mm-hmm. you'll become more robotic, feel a little bit less part of the the control input, in my opinion. But you will become more precise because of that. Mm. Um, it's more of a one to one rather than uh, an exponential feeling all the way through the control loop okay yeah and then usually people are like well if you turn the style high it's like kind of like a sim feel sure yes and and, and you can change that in whatever simulator that you mm-hmm. have yeah. more than likely um but yeah um and the next uh yeah. topic i had was the elevator pre-comp mm-hmm. has, has anyone ever had a helicopter that would bobble in the elevator axis no matter what they did i can't think that i've had one bobble elevator i've kind of had one do the whole like toilet ball yeah almost like yeah well the the elevator's going around or the tail's going around in a circle so let me give you a hypothetical um let's say you have your your gain value is maxed out but it's not too much Mm-hmm. And uh, for your cyclic and your optimizer value is right on the money. It's right where it needs to be. But for some reason, when you do hard stops, whether it's an elevator movement, cyclic, uh, that your that the helicopter tends to oscillate in the elevator axis, especially with elevator stops. Um, okay. You can then start to tune your elevator pre-compensation uh, value. and. Uh, you don't have to go like extreme with this value. You can incrementally, you know, decrease and or increase it by, you know, three or two and see uh, more than drastic results as compared oh. to like a gain value. Okay. So to give you an example with the Kraken Nitro, I uh, last weekend I had an elevator bobble that I've been noticing and I just was too lazy to uh, tune it. And I was like, okay, let me just take and you know, decrease a little bit of elevate, elevator pre-comp. And I did that, and it took all the oscillation out. And I just dropped it by two numbers from 10 uh, to 8. So so I'm going to I'm gonna play devil's advocate here. Um, what happens if that elevator pre-comp was too low? Would it, what, what, like, adverse effect would you see in the helicopter? The helicopter is going to feel a little bit lost in that axis as far as meaning that you're going to be giving an input and it's going to feel like it's not getting to that input quick enough or it's not commanding that input to that desired angle quick enough at all. So okay. so let's say you're giving it uh, an input for like a, a regular upright TikTok. It's going to feel like maybe a quarter or a half a second behind. And in 3D, a quarter to a half a second. Oh, uh, that's it. It's over. Yeah, it's in the ground. <laughs> you're you because you're fully in the loop with the machine when you're doing those types of maneuvers. Mm-hmm. And that's the best way I can des- describe elevator cre- uh, pre-comp. And would that be? I mean, so 
not not including obviously like Elrond, but if you had your cyclic gains too low, would that also kind of feel like that elevator pre comp? You would feel it in both the roll or and both, the right. axis. But you would feel it definitely right in the, in the elevator axis too, though, right? right? Like you would feel okay. So the reason why I, I believe why Mikado has that value to, to be able to tune is because um, if you look at a helicopter and you look how it's uh-huh. mechanically set up, there's a huge moment in the elevator axis from the tip of the tail all the way to the nose. Sure, right. Uh, there's not much mass swinging out from, on, on the uh, the aileron, aileron axis. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So they, they give you that value to change uh, and that option to change given, you know, different airframes and uh, where you actually put the fly barless unit. If you have options to put the fly barless unit, especially in these different airframes today, put it as close to, as you can to the main shaft. Right. I'm, I'm telling you right now, if, if you have a helicopter that has mounting options in the front, the rear, or closer to the the main shaft, go as close as you can to the main shaft if you can avoid vibration issues because that's going to give you the most best control feel and the most linear feeling machine off center that you can possibly imagine. That's definitely what I've heard. Yep. Yeah. So, and I've heard that from a lot of different people and it's true also in the, the UAV industry. Mm-hmm. All these flight controllers and, uh, and yeah, they got to be pretty much in the center. Yeah, they're they're on the CG. Yeah, they're 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 not they're they're not you know five millimeters off the CG. They're on the CG. Where, where the IMU is on the board is on the CG. Right. Well, so, it makes sense because then it's not battling uh, a, a a difference in CG. It's just well, not only that. I mean, if think be. of. Right, and think about if the flybars control. If you just look at a flybars control and flipping like you know, like wire to nose or antenna, like say a neo, right, it's flipping forward, like that. I, you know, if that's like not in the center of the helicopter or CG, it's actually like a loop that it's doing, right? When it's trying to just flip stationary, it's actually compensating for every single movement. And you have that to compensate for that. Doing right. So, so when you do a front flip versus a back flip, if you looked at the command angle that. Mm-hmm. You are giving versus what the what the the swash plate is doing. It's actually a lot more for a front flip than it is for a back flip because the helicopter has to work harder to swing that mass right that boom forward. Even though it's weighted differently, even even though excuse me, even though it's weighted proportionally, right? Like if your CG is perfect, CG is right on. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter. You have more mass swinging from one end of the, of the fulcrum of axis, which is your main shaft, on one side versus the other. Well, um, and plus there's like things like you know, you, you, there's air resistance on the boom, and you know your tail fin, your ro- your rear rotor disc is spinning, you know, so it's like your tail blades are spinning, you know, so that all adds to that like that's what it's counteracting those forces. Dynamics, like, right. like you said, mm-hmm. Steve. It's that, that I'm just talking from a uh, a sheer mass standpoint. Right. But yeah. So that was a uh, elevator pre-comp. <laughs> Who uses paddle sim and ask me why if you if you use it? I don't even know what that is. Paddle sim? <laughs> yeah. I think you just use it when you're simming, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> no, why, why would sim? you what use that? that? What is so, that? So paddle sim on uh the Mikado flybrawlers unit from what I understand it's to make the helicopter feel more like 
it's flying with paddles, with mechanical stabilization. Well, how does that differ from your style, then? So, so you're right. I believe they crossed in a certain point, but they're not fully the same kind of control loop. I think the paddle simulation, all it, it, it will take and influence the flight controller in different in a different way in some uh, variables, but not all of the variables as if you're manipulating your style. And, and I think okay, the, the, I the paddle simulation, it, for me, I put it to zero. And I've messed with it in the past. I've used very little, and I've used about. 15, the highest value I've ever used is 15. And what's um, the default? Zero? I believe it's 10. 10, okay. I, I believe in, in the, the V-bar unit. But uh, but paddle simulation, I use zero because I feel as if it's it's in the loop too much, and I feel like I'm fighting the machine. So I take that out completely. Okay. And so I'm... Sorry, right, before ahead. we move on, I'm I'm kind of equating paddle sim and style. Like how you're seeing the difference, um, that style has like more settings that is is changing. It's to me, I'm guessing like I can relate it to like cyclic game versus PID tuning, right? Like cyclic game, you're kind of tuning the P, but also a little bit of the other stuff. Paddle you... sim does more than that. Paddle okay. Sim, paddle sim actually will will um, I I I believe it's probably a proportional. Uh, influence on the whole entire control sweep whether it's okay. elevator or aileron but it's proportional de- depending on what that value that you're changing you know that paddleson value too so if you, you ramp that paddleson value up it's going to be uh, a proportional uh change in your con- in your in your control loop uh from a hunt from 100 to zero from center stick to maximum stick in either direction. So, um, and it's it's in the loop all the time, and, and who knows how long it's in the loop in the return of that control sweep back to center too. So that's why I think it's a little bit more. It's more in the loop, and it's it's influencing what you're doing a little bit more. And that's why I don't use it. Okay. Yeah. Um, I gotta mess around with that. By turning it off or turning it high and see what happens. Um, the next value is collective balance. Now, mm-hmm. I think, I believe the, actually, I, I know the, the stock value is 35. Um, and this is how the, the cyclic interacts with the, the collective movement of uh, your machine. So uh, if you want your cyclic to interact the least with your collective value, you want to bump that value to its maximum number which is 50 and on all my machines i do that and you're going to realize if you're doing pyro flips if you're doing stationary flips or rolls the helicopter is going to take and flip and roll and pyro flip a lot more effortlessly with a lot really? less collective yes because your collective hmm. and your cycling are interacting in the control loop less so they're more independent of each other so what happens is if if you're doing a, a stationary backflips and that value is at 35, uh, that stationary backflip, you're going to have to be giving a hell of a lot more collective in either direction to keep the aircraft at the same altitude. Now, if you want to take and make it tighter, you take and ramp that value all the way to 50, and you're not going to have that issue. It's going to feel a lot more effortlessly. Oh, I got to try that one. Collective yeah, me balance, too. Huh? Yeah. 
So on all of my machines, I do that. Every, it, that's one of the first values in the cyclic uh, tuning parameters that I ramp up all the way so I don't forget. Um, okay. And then the last one, and this is really important, it's another one of those values that changes your baseline completely for all these values. It's heli size. So if you're flying um, a machine that's like a 600 size, I believe Mikado's default is 50 or 45. Mm-hmm. Um, and that changes how the helicopter interprets all of your control inputs from the beginning. So all those values that you have that we talked about, throw them out the window because if you change that that value, it, it's going to change all of them proportionally to the value that you that you raise or lower that that heli size to. Okay. So, so if uh, if you put the helicopter size to a seven hundred size or a preset like a Mikado helicopter, mm-hmm. it starts out at fifty or fifty five. Now, for me, if I'm flying a big uh, a big blade, we're talking something that's over 700 millimeters. So we're talking 710s, 715s, mm-hmm. 717s, 720s. Yeah. No matter what the helicopter is, no matter how much it weighs, I personally I would put that value to 60. Okay. And that's what I do for all my my logo 700s. And I put them to 50. Excuse does, me, 60. Does that matter if it's nitro or electric? Like does... no, it doesn't matter. If you're running big blades, you want mm-hmm. that control loop because it's going to fe- make all your control inputs at a at a steady state in a natural setting, feel more linear. Hmm. Yeah, I gotta try it on like the gas or take my nitro or my electrics definitely. Yeah. So big, so big blades. You want to favor a higher number. Uh-huh. Uh And I have not ventured past sixty. Who knows? I mean, who knows? It might feel even better uh, with, with a bigger blade. Uh, but I, I've I've uh, the maximum number I've tried is sixty. And then for my my helicopters that are running smaller blades, like my nitros, mm-hmm. uh, I that number is at fifty five, and the stock is fifty, I believe. Okay. Yeah. I did it with the Provis Nitro. I changed it to fifty five. Nice. Any questions? No, man. When's the next time you're going to be at the field? <laughs> <I> no, <know. laughs> I'm just going to hedge my radio and just be like, here. <laughs> no, just show me everything that you know. <laughs> That's so, uh... who wants to talk tail? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Kevin, you did want you want to, to finish anything or no no I, I was thinking i've had some issues with uh, the mikado 550 tail oh yeah <laughs> and uh, i'm curious to yeah if paul so, has any views on that yeah so, let's go to tail tuning um okay so um first of all i want to ask you guys what kind of a tail setup do you guys tend to run is it a fast tail pyro rate or a slow pyro rate 100 i think I kind of time it to something I'm used to. It's not really fast, but if it if it's like, it's almost a second to go completely around, like one one thousand. Like that's okay. Like, like that's my my that's internal timing to what I yeah yeah like. And that's all based off the flight, like flying style and what you're comfortable with, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yep. So, I run um, anywhere between 122 and 128, depending on the models. Uh, travel mechanically on the tail. Let me ask you: the one twenty-two to one twenty-eight. Is there much of a difference? Yes, there is. It's. it's yeah. I've noted. Well, it, that's across the board between different controls, control setups with different tails versus machine to machine. Okay. Uh, I'm talking brand to brand. So if you're flying right. a a Protos versus a 
SAB, uh, right, right. 122 might feel a little bit different than on your uh, Perlis in your in your crack and nitro. For sure, yeah. But uh, I just, I'm asking that because if you run a fast tail, that dictates a lot of stuff as far as what maybe you're looking for in a setup. In my yeah. opinion. Yeah, I, I tend to run a slower tail. Um, I feel that slower tails give me better control when I'm, you know, um, hurricane funnels, you know, that type of like where coordinating turns and just doing very small corrections, gotcha. um, you know, feels better. Um, I still run the stock 50 Expo. I know people are like, ooh, I can't believe you run so high. That's why, why 50% Expo for the tail is actually fine. I mean, that's a default, right? That's what the deals are pre-configured for. So I just use that and it feels fine to me, you know? So to that point, if you bump up your tail acceleration, which is the last value mm-hmm. um, in the tail um, tuning parameters, you can you can augment a lower uh, expo value. Mm, okay. Off-center. Like, you know how I was talking to you guys at the beginning of this? Saying there's a lot of different means of achieving the same control feel. Sure. Yeah. Right. It's all about how you approach the, I guess, the problem. You know, like, like you know that there's like you're in calculus class and there's there's three or four different ways of doing the the problem and everyone chooses a different way and mm-hmm. it works for them. That's what tuning a helicopter is. It's no different, in my opinion. Yeah. No, that makes sense. For me, I use 40. I just drop it 10 points. And I feel like anything below 40 is a little bit too much. It makes the helicopter's tail feel a little bit too touchy off center for me. Right, right. You went into yaw rate already. So real quick, how did you guys tune your gain, your overall tail gain? I just want to know. Pitch pump sometimes to kind of start off to get a base figure like, you know, about where it's not going to chatter too much. and And then usually I do like, a fast forward flight and also do like fast forward flight and I'll turn the tail into the wind and have like, you know, kind of basically fly sideways and push on that tail and see how it holds. Okay, to that point. So back in the day, Art Hughes taught me the best way to tune a tail, no matter what the helicopter. And mm-hmm. uh, it's the, and you do it like this. You take and you do a sideways funnel, nose mm-hmm. in, and you go both ways. And if the tail blows out in either direction, and you have to test both directions equally, just as hard. That means you're you're uh, you're on the collective trying to get that helicopter right. to make that 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 sweep up that crest up to the top of the turn uh, equally. If uh-huh. it does not blow out, your tail gain is good, and if it chatters in between, it's uh-huh. too high. Simple as that. That's so, you, so wait, you're saying you to do your what? Maximum, that's how you get your maximum gain value without being overgained. Is that yeah. a tail down funnel in both directions, or how how did you start that? Yeah, yeah exactly. So you put the helicopter nose in, and you do a uh, a huge loop, nose in loop. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. So you do like a uh, nose, yeah. So nose in, and you just do a full loop, or basically just we're flying hitting, sideways. pushing, yeah, pushing that tail yes. and doing a, a rolling loop because. That is the highest stressed environment right. that, that the tail is going to ever see at face value, uh, if you know what I mean. Right, and that's kind of what I do, but I don't do a loop. I just go fast forward and then turn and let it push the tail. Yep. So, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's how you find out if it's going to take and blow out or not. 
And the thing is, if you're going to do this and it's a new machine that you're not sure of, uh, mm-hmm. with all the modern day, you know, tail servos out in the market, if you're flying a V-bar unit, this is just, this is what I would, I would start out with. It would be 70. Start out at 70 yeah. and take and go do that maneuver and tune your main gain off that value. Now, once you have that value taken and pretty much locked in for whatever head speed you're flying, because that value will differ with head sure. speed yeah. drastically, right. especially especially if you're flying a belt uh, system. Yeah. Because the belt is an elastic tail drive system, meaning that it's ever-changing and you have to take in tune to the – I'm getting kind of into it, but the mean tension. Uh, mean load on the, on that belt. So if, if you're, th- that's why um, it might take a little bit more trial and error with a belted tail versus a torque tube. And the torque tube's consistent. If a torque tube's not consistent, you know what happens? It strips. Yeah, you strip gears. <laughs> yeah. Which is great because torque tube is fantastic for that. It's much easier to, in my opinion, to tune. Yeah, it's really tube. easy to strip gears. Oh. Yes. Well, yeah, that too. <laughs> but. <laughs> Uh, I prefer a belt, but torque tube is uh, definitely a great system for yeah. for uh, for auto for autoing. For and, sure, uh, autoing huge. Yes, <laughs> it definitely has its benefits. Mechanically, it is not simple, but but if you're flying a torque tube and you're not touching the tail uh, on the ground and uh, you're, you're autoing, it's it's, it's awesome. <laughs> uh-huh. Sure, um, but. Uh, that's main uh, tail gain values as far as that goes. Who's ever messed with P gain before? Not on a helicopter. No. On a quad back in the day. So tell yeah. me what. So tell me what happened when you when you started manipulating that P gain value on your quad. Uh, I wasn't into uh, the 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 aggressive like at that point. I did aggressive flying, but. Uh, believe it had something to do with the the looping the banking maybe so um, it's been a long time time since i had a i forget what even those those boards were called back in the day the <laughs> the one with the screen on it remember steve yeah that was those, 2.1 the, yeah that was it yep so your p gain is your proportional gain this is the basically like the main gain if, if you're going to take the whole control loop and how it's tuned this is your control power. This is what. This is how much authority that uh, that what you're trying to um, inject into the into the uh, this, the fly balance unit or whatever uh, system you're flying. Uh, so for P gain, I've noticed personally I've been keeping at the stock value, but in some systems or some uh, helis, I've actually been lowering that value because. Uh, the tail is either a belt or the tail is not geared completely properly to uh, what the what, what the system desires or what the the uh, uh, or what the flight profile is. So if you're stressing the tail out a lot, you uh, you might want to lower that value because the 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 belt's being elastic, it's being stretched. And it's adding uh, it's adding friction to the whole entire uh, system in itself. Mm-hmm. Um, so sometimes I lower that value, not to call out names or anything, but 
I've noticed a trend with the SAB helicopters that I kind of lower that value five or ten points uh, right from the get-go as a tuning profile for that type of helicopter because of the gearing. Nothing against the machine, it's just, just the machine itself. It's how it tunes on the, the flight controller. They all tune differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the Mikado logo, I, I mess around with the eye game because the tail chatters because I want that control authority, but I also want uh, it to be smooth all the way throughout the control field of the, of the tail. So I lower that eye, uh, that eye value on a, on a torque tube system. So um, that kind of went into eye game. So, but yeah, any questions? Yeah, um, geez, trying to think of something smart to say. I can't even think of anything smart. Jeez, there's so <laughs> much stuff I don't know. Yeah, but I don't really mess with the 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 the, the uh, PI or D settings. Uh, they directly. tend to be very close to what you need, and for most machines out there in the market, you can uh, you can just you know adjust the main overall gain tail and you get the desired control that you want i think the issue for me is i don't know what i need and what i what i want at this point other than bringing home a helicopter at the end of the day you know (laughs) yeah that's basically uh so i'm i'm slowly figuring out you know hey this is better this is this is worse type of thing yeah i think um you and i kevin are kind of in the same boat like we don't really know what tuning like what numbers we tune that thing to and what it would do. So we just don't really mess with it. Um, but there are times where like, I know you, you said recently you, you've been increasing your agility and, and style and stuff like that. Um, because you kind of want more from the model. Right. But like, I don't know what I want more from the model. Like I like the way it flips and I like the way it stops and everything. So it's like, okay. But, um, you know, you know, things like the, the collective balance stuff, I, I want to definitely try and see, see how yeah. that feels, you know? Um, and with the V-bar, it's so easy to do. You just put on a bank switch and you're done, you know, and you can try back and forth different. So, so that's cool. Um, I do have a question about the tail tuning, um, about the optimization flights <laughs> yes. or the optimization tuning, right? Um, I know some folks that I fly with, they just leave it on. They're like, let it keep on optimizing you so know, as I fly. That mm-hmm. is, in my opinion, it's, it's no different than leaving on the, optimi- the optimizer for the cyclic. Okay. And that's the incorrect way to do things because your flight and the way the, air, the, uh, the aircraft will interact your flight input to your control inputs will be different mm-hmm. every flight. So for an optimization flight, it's meant to, to be in the most extreme environment that the helicopter is going to see, top end and low end values. Oh. And uh, that's why from the tail, I believe Art Hughes back in the day he told me that uh, to take the helicopter out and your your uh, your highest RPM bank and uh, optimize it by bank by bank. Uh, you know, if you have a lower bank value with a lower RPM, you have to optimize it for that. If you want to get down to the nuts and bolts of it, um, and you you rotate and you pirouette the, pirouette the helicopter left for about ten or fifteen seconds and do the same thing to the right. Uh-huh. You land the helicopter as soon as you can. Yeah. You see what the values are, and you shut it off for that bank. And then you do the same thing for whatever other RPM on a different bank that you have. And that's when you tune the the uh, optimizer from the tail. Okay, cool. Yeah, I always thought about that. Like, you know, I think I leave mine on actually, but I was like, 
if I leave it on, is it constantly adjusting the feel of the tail? Of course right? it is. Right? Like, so then, is that, am I going to feel, like, if I give it input, am I going to feel the same or expect the same and get the same result, right? Of, like, the start, stop, and how much it rotates and all that stuff. So, um, yeah. So, I was just, I was curious about that because, I, I mean, I rarely move my tail anyways. You know, it's, I just fly tail in everything. So, you know, you don't have to move the tail too much at that point. So, you know, why do you have to tune the tail if you don't move it, right? <laughs> but, um, no, this is all good stuff, man. Awesome. I appreciate it. Um, have you guys ever taken two and three comp before on your uh, machines? No. I have not. Of course. So, so with VBAR Gov, it does something similar. Uh, with RPM, you have collective pre-comp, uh-huh. and you have cyclic pre-comp, and you have dynamic pre-comp. Uh, yeah, so what but, is the difference between those three? Um, so, the dynamic pre-comp, I'm not too sure of, uh, but the collective and the cyclic, uh-huh. I can, I can uh, yeah. kind of shed some light on. So, the, the collective pre-comp with the tail, so this is how much more pitch the uh, or torque compensation in the translation of adding additional pitch to the control rod to the to the, the tail rotor that the helicopter is going to input uh, given your collective input. So your tail, if you notice with the V bar, the preset I believe is twenty two for collective. When you move the collective up and down, the tail is moving proportionally to that. Uh, to past fifty percent and below fifty percent collective, uh-huh. and and that's there for a reason. It's because it's trying to take and compensate for uh, any load putting being put on the system as a whole to keep that tail uh, right exactly where you left or where you last let it, uh, left it. So um, let's say you're doing bunny hops and the tail's blowing out of it. So that's because that's what happened to me. Um, uh. Okay. Last weekend on Sunday with my with my Protoss Nitro, um, so I tuned my tail as best as I could, and then I started bumping up collective pre comp values to try to get rid of it. And guess what? Couldn't get rid of it. Huh. Here's a perfect example of the load on the system, and you try to do it mechanically first. So I have 105 tail blades on there initially, uh-huh. then I max it out electrically. Oh crap! I can't get it. I can't get the control feel that I'm looking for, meaning I can't get the, the tail to stay in one place with me doing bunny hops uh-huh. consecutively. So what am I going to do? I'm going to go to a bigger tail blade to give me more control authority. Right. Uh, so that's what I did. I went to one uh, 16 rotor tech blades, and then I brought the the uh, the collective pre uh, comp down to the stock value, which is 22. Initially, you always want to go back to that to that controlled variable, which is the stock value. And then you mechanic with the new mechanical uh, setup being larger tail blades. Mm-hmm. And it was fine. It was perfect. Um, it actually with the, with the same gain value was uh, fine. I didn't have any differences in gain overall gain value. So it didn't no chatter or anything. So, um, and I bumped the gain up all the way to like 115 and I still have the same issue. So it, that goes to show once you get past like a hundred on your gain value and you still have tail issues, uh-huh. start looking into your mechanical setup. Maybe there's something wrong mechanically with your, with your tail setup that you need to address because if not, uh, you're going to 
be chasing an issue that's not going to be able be able to be solved. You need to look at a mechanical standpoint before you can look at it electrical electrically. Yeah. So. <clears throat> so and it goes the same for cycling. It's the same. It's the same concept. Nice. So with the tail, um, how you saying that like you need to add some pre comp on it when you're doing bunny hops, like would have turning up your head speed, making the tail spin faster, do any difference? Would have like you know maybe changing your gear ratio for your tail or like beyond so just changing blades, that. right? Sure. Like those are other options. Are are well, that's what I'm asking. Are those other options that you can do? Sure. So, um, perfect example, uh, Kraken Nitro. I, uh, I had the stock tail, uh, pulley on the machine uh-huh. and, uh, I tried 105 tail blades initially and I had the same issue. So what did I do? I went to one, uh, 115, uh, switches or 116 switch blades, a larger tail blade. Sure. Yeah. And I, uh, didn't have an issue afterwards. So now, you could do the opposite. You could take and speed up the tail mm-hmm. and keep the same control surface, which is a 105 tail blade. Right. And have the same control authority because you're spinning at a faster RPM. Yeah. It's it's just like your setup. It's two different means of of, achi- of achieving the Ooh. same uh, desired outcome, mechanically and electrically. So, um, with the Protos, I don't think there's a speed up pulley. So I said. Well, I learned what I learned from the Kraken Nitro and the Kraken Electric. I'm going to take and put larger tail blades. I don't have the clearance issue with blades from main blades to tail blades, so I'm just going to put the larger tail blades on, and it fixed all my issues. Uh-huh. So that's what I did. <laughs> nice. Makes sense. And going back to what you originally said, there's different ways to get accomplish the what you want to accomplish. Yep, there's there's two completely different paths to get the same result. Right. Some people are like, oh yeah, put that, that speed up pulley on there and keep those same tail blades on there. And other people are like, well, I'm just gonna take two bolts off and put uh put two bolts back on and I'm 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 good to go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so but as far nice. as tuning parameters, that's all I have in my in my notes. Yeah, that's it. Awesome. Yeah, let's open up for questions. I'll have to go back and listen to this episode like 14 times. Yeah, I'm going to have Google, Google, you know, transcribe it for me so I can read it and over and over again, try to get it down. So, uh, yeah, let's uh, let's hear from Andy and George if you guys have any questions or comments you want to give. I'm still trying to soak it in. I'll, it'll probably be about three hours before I get caught up. But, uh, <laughs> I, I did get some nuggets out of there about yeah. uh, about tuning, of course, mm-hmm. with just doing scale stuff. Well, yeah. I mean, do you have any? I mean, I know you don't fly, you know, the V Bar Neo, but I'm I'm wondering if someone like, you know, do you have any issues with your helicopter bobbling or anything? Maybe you know, Paul can help you figure out like what gain to to look for, or you know, on your icons. Be honest with you, the only bobbling we've seen was on Steve's uh, big Apache, mm-hmm. and it's got an elevator on the back, and it was fixed to begin with, and that was causing some kind of bunny hop looking issues when you would, you know, fly at speed. And um, was it dolphining? Yeah. Okay, but that's uh, I think that's something you can tune, right? No, he had to. Uh, it was actually the 
the aerodynamics of that tail on that oh, okay. was, fuselage. Right, it was giving elevator input almost. Like yeah, an and it okay. was yeah fighting against. It was trying to give it nose pitch. It's it almost like mechanical it. gain. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, he had to. Uh, that's what he did. He, he put a servo on the elevator, like the real one, and and mixed it in. Ah, cool, cool stuff. Yeah, I pretty much just use the basics on Icon stuff. Mm-hmm. When George gets a wobble, he just wobbles his thumb the opposite way, and it all works out. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, if I can get it up in the air and and fly around in a, uh, you know, in a pattern. Yeah. Clockwise, counterclockwise, figure eight, and land towards myself. <clears throat> I'm thrilled to death, you know. And the helicopter's still in one piece. I'm, I'm tickled. Well, that's just it, right? That's like I was saying before, especially with me. Like you're at a point now where you don't know what you want, but at least I'm not smashing it into the ground every week. It's kind of like, uh, you know, I don't know what I need, but I, I get more out of these conversations every time I. You know, like maybe every couple months when I'm learning more and more about what does what. Like initially listening to RCHM when I first started flying, I, I had no idea what they were talking about. But a lot of it kind of made sense geometry-wise with the uh, blade size and, and different things that they would talk about. And a lot of this stuff like sheds light when you actually do it in real life and you have someone there kind of explaining things to you and showing you on your helicopter, maybe as you're flying or helping you while you're out in the flight line. That's, I mean, for me, that was a huge help when I was learning Nick Maxwell and Curtis Youngblood and, uh, all those guys, you know, they even Tim yeah. Jones, t- uh, those guys definitely helped me learn when I'd see them at fun flies. I'd learn about nitro more when I'd see Tim Jones, I learned how to tune an engine better, how to listen for certain things. Mm-hmm. And then if, uh, if I had an issue with mechanical setup back in the day when I first started going to fun flies and, uh, you know, Nick Maxwell, when I see him, he would always help me. And yeah, it's those guys that, that had a lot of experience that would go out in the flight line with you and help you solve your issues were the ones that, uh, really stuck out. And for me, those were those guys, they, uh, yeah, they helped me out. Awesome. And if you guys ever need help and I'm at a fun fly, don't hesitate to grab me because I will be more than happy to go on the flight line and help you guys with anything that I can. And if I don't know, I'll try to find out the answers and get to the, the root of the, the issue. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah, for sure. I'll definitely take you up on that. All right. Uh, so any other questions or shall we move it on? Oh, we can move it on. All right. So I've gotten some warning of, oh, I don't want to say warning. I, I would say I gotten a heads up about this episode's planker segment, and I'm very excited. So uh, I got well, I, I got I, I got was, my bag of popcorn. So yeah, I was gonna read what the planker sent us. Uh, he said, "I have some suggestions for this epic, ginormous episode uh, of the planker, and one is uh-huh. uh, use headphones." Uh, two, this episode is PG-13, not for language, but has a few naughty bits, nothing gross. And three, bring popcorn. Should I start pouring my wine now? Yes. Yes. You should, be, you should be sipping your wine now. I wouldn't even pour it just straight out of the bottle. Yeah. Hold on, hold on. I'm doing I'd kickstart that. <laughs> Definitely. 
And don't mind me crunching. I'm gonna I got my little snack here, ready for this Piker segment. Okay, this is a big this is a big glass of wine, so I'm ready for it. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> All right. So let's let's see what we got in store for the planker segment today. Okay. All right, buckle up guys. Oh Jesus. Dude, on the last episode. It's extremely, extremely dangerous, but someone needs to go. I really don't want to go for Someone needs to go look for him. Kinda of, but not really. No. Somebody get over here to level two and clean up all this tauntaun shit. There's tauntaun shit all over the floor. Go! Go to Dagobah! Oh, that doesn't look too far. Not as smart or good looking, Mr. Miata is. Itchy balls! These RC guys, Kirvioda. The mouth starts going, and there's only one way to shut him up, and that's, you know. It was dark. He couldn't see that whaler. He missed. Yeah. Guys are killing it. troop of RC wannabes at Jabba the Hutt's palace, where Mr. Miata, Chewie, and this guy will attempt a very dangerous rescue of Han Solomio. drunk or really stoned or something, you know? All of that. <laughs> much, much later that night, we rejoin our heroes at Jabba's Palace. RC, free fall down. 
Want to welcome Planker himself. Wow, anything I say now is a letdown. <laughs> Master, shouldn't we look for Captain Solo? Screw it, we're gonna go rogue. That was nice. <laughs> oh, that's gonna be epic. <laughs> uh oh, he's turning a he's turning a chapter. Yeah, there he goes. Yeah, yeah. I don't know the drain. <laughs> I don't know what to think about that. Now find our dim-witted heroes captured by Jabba the Hutt while passed out drunk in his own bar. Except Solomio. Captain Solomio escaped on his own, only to be recaptured when Bill Ann stopped him in the hallway to talk about cameras. <laughs> Damn, almost forgot. Jabba's gonna execute everybody by throwing them in the Sorlock pit. Unbelievable. That thing is just so awesome. That doesn't look good. But it does look a lot good. What? Master, Master, why do you guys have your man parts hanging out? It's all good. But aren't we in danger? Fuck that. Oh, no, yeah. I had to rub it out. That was nice. Alright. I might have to do that. I'm loving that thing. Oh, my! Yeah, how long do you think you'll go on fondle plenty before you'll get to, right on to it? Uh, I'd say a good while. You guys are killing it. Oh, that. Oop, that, that, that. I ain't got it. Oh, there we go. Oh, back. Okay, I got it. No, wait. Oh, oh. Oh, 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 shit. Bam. That's it. Manual labor. He's got it down there. We are doomed, R2. Has it been fondled sufficiently? Uh, it, might could, sure. it, it might could do it, have a little more fondling. <laughs> How much fondling do you think it could take? Oh, it could take a lot. Before you wear it out? Yeah. It's just so much fun. That's saying a lot. Daggone, I nicked one of my balls. Too close to nick the side of my ball this little bit. everyone, IX-12 here again. Whoa-ho, I'm in part 3. Anyway, after somehow escaping from Jabba the Hutt and the Sorlak monster our gaggle of dopey freefall guys have separated. Mr. Miata has returned to Dagobah to finish his training with Yoda while Han, Chewie and, this guy, 
Hey guys. Are heading to meet up with other rebels on the forest moon of Endor. Let's see what fucked up shenanigans ensue. <laughs> yeah, doing a bunch of car stuff. More training you seek, hmm? Yeah. Not finished last time. Left Yoda with two rental fees, you did. <laughs> nice. Test yourself against the dark side. You must, young Mr. Miata. I don't know, I'm stupid. Mazda Corporation, <laughs> coming with OEM they are. Force it on you, they will. Mm? <laughs> Fuck that. Tell your car repair woes to the walls, you will. Go outside and take a Yoda shit. I must. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it's really nice, you know. You know, Miata is such a small car. You know, the head broken down, valves are all out, and everything, the whole valve train's out. I'm happy about that. Emperor Mazda, we 
caught this custom car scum trying to enter. He claims to be Mr. Miata. What would you like us to do with him? Bring him to me. Uber Eats is delivering in the garage. Well, well. Mr. Miata, is it? Oh, hey. All that has happened, I have foreseen. I can't see it. No, you idiot. Wow. It's a vision of the future. Uh, yeah, I think I'm getting old. I need to check my eyes. Forget it. <laughs> I, I gotta get my eyes checked. That's... Forget it, you dumbass. <laughs> you will now come over to the dark side. Into the world of original equipment, or OEM. No. <laughs> Come, look out the window, young Sky. I mean, Miata. See your friends below as they enter my trap. Fuck. Everything is crashing. Guys, it's okay. We're cool. I want all your custom work and parts over to the dark side. Kinda sucks. Dead Star Bingo starts at eight. Be there. Ah, uh, Vader, my apprentice. Talk to your boy, I mean this boy, about the Force. <laughs> you do not understand the power of the dark side. Wow, it wasn't too bad. You cannot refuse us, Mr. Miyama. You will turn to the dark side. <laughs> <laughs> hey, where'd he go? Holy crap, Vader. You let him slip out when you weren't looking? I find your lack of faith disturbing. Who the hell installed an exit sign in my throne room? Go find that little shit. One of those big black boots of yours right up his ass. And then break it off. And on your way out, send in the asshole that put that exit sign right in this room. Oh, dude, it's a good thing you didn't go in. Yeah, no, the last guy choked him to death. Fucking guy dropped on the floor dead. Data, your cat got out again. Lacutus, you have a call on six. Lacutus on six. The 
10 o'clock Death Star puppet show has been canceled. <laughs> Maintenance, maintenance. The toilets on level 644 are overflowing again. Dude, did you see the Mr. Miata? I thought that was a chick. You sure that's not a chick? I saw the video. Hey, it's IX-12 again. Hopefully this is the last time I will torture your ears. Since we last saw our gang, the Planker has rescued Mr. Miata from the evil clutches of the Emperor, Chewie, Han, and this guy. Yeah. <laughs> have made it to the forest moon where those little teddy bear people live. Oh, god they are gross. Now let us see what the fuck is up. Hey guys, I'm glad I made it. I stopped by the uh, Death Star and I picked up uh, Jetta, Mr. Jetta. Uh, you mean Mr. Miata, don't you? Wait, do you mean Jedi or Mr. Miata? No, I think after the Death Star, I think he's gonna be going to VW Jetta, not Mazda, and. He's definitely not a Jedi. That's awesome, Mac. Freaking epic. Fuck that. Hey, guys. Hey. Helicopter and airplane hoarding guy. Where you been? And why is your crotch area all bandaged up? There's something clearly wrong. Well, I, I'm kind of embarrassed to tell you. <laughs> yeah, R2, F you. Yeah, what's the deal, dude? I, on, I nicked one of my balls. Too close and just nicked the side of my ball just a little bit. I'm going to stop, stop it right, it right there. there. I'm not I'm even going to listen any further. further. Um, that was sad. <laughs> you know. Fuck that. All right. Well, listen. I think we ought to get on the move. Uh, well, this is bullshit. Let's get on the move. So, uh, Han. Um... What happened with you in Jabba's palace? I mean, the narrator didn't tell us. None of us saw what happened. How, how did that work out? And what about the um, the whole thing with Bill Ann? So as soon as I saw him, I was like, hey, Bill. And he was like, hey, asshole. <laughs> Fuck that. So, fellas, what's the plan? Do we have a plan? And who's in charge here? Is it you, Captain Solo? What's your plan? The plan is to put, like, a... I don't know. I don't know. Um, what the hell is going on? I'm finding my brain cells aren't concentrating like they used to. Maybe we need a kamikaze. Fuck that. You know what, R2F you? I agree. I think we're fucked.
after a really long and really stupid day, our band of idiots is down for the night. Let's join them now. Hey, uh, Chewy, how come we never hear your native language? What does um, Wookiee sound like? You know, it sometimes gets complicated and weird. But <laughs> how did that go again? That's interesting, but more importantly, I'd like to understand why are you playing with your Wookiee parts? You've seen that before? Like it was a little stiff? Fondle it in your hands or do you like fling it around in the air? That's no, I use my hands. Okay. <laughs> oh, shit. Wow. Fuck. Hey, now. Hey, now. <laughs> awesome, dude. Yeah. Okay. Fuck it. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. It kind of feels familiar. And that was it. Felt good. Awesome, dude. Hey, are we going to see any of those gross teddy bear people in this episode or what? Well, I guess not. Maybe next time. But, um, 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 and, um, and, uh, <laughs> the, the lazy jerk. <laughs> the la- oh, these bloopers. Because once again, I suck. Freaking epic. Fuck that. Okay. There we go, it's a sweet spot. Alright, okay. <coughs> Alright. A Miata disassembly? Yeah, yeah. Just disassembly, no reassembly yet. Yeah, might never get reassembled. <laughs> 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 Maybe we can get some video of that chick was working on it there. Oh shit. You know, it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> I think I just realized I suck at flying now, so. I suck. Oh, the fuck! Writes the shit! Emperor Mazda. Are you okay in there? Are you okay in there? Are you okay in there? <laughs> there you go, Mike. Mr. Yada, you're mine. <laughs> <laughs>
Wait, Spanky. No, stop. Bill Han is not in this episode because he is now in hibernation. Hey, there's one of them little teddy bears. Do we have a price check, please? Price check on Thor Sidious Anal Cream. The Mazda Death Star gift shop will be closed at 8 p.m. Lord Helmet, red phone, please. Lord Helmet, red phone. Guy LaDouche, please report to the lost and found. Bill Ann, Bill Ann, please report to the Emperor's throne room and bring an exit sign. Yeah. I can't wait till that shows up in a Mike D. Planker episode. <laughs> yeah. Is it? Holy moly! Wow! Wow! That that was insane. Yeah, Mike outdid himself. Dude, I don't even remember saying some of that stuff. I I know, I know. I'm like, where did it even come from? Fuck it, I know I say that all the time. (laughs) So that's an easy one to clip. But yeah, seriously, some of them I was like, okay. I don't normally talk about my brain cells like that. I don't know where that came from. I forgot (laughs) to drink my wine. Oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, man. Awesome. Well, Amazing job, Mike. Yes, Holy thank you so God. much. Jeez. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> so we're going to skip news and announcements. I don't think they really had anything, huh? No. We have right. an announcement. Oh, you do? Yeah. Mike D's insane. But I kind of think everyone already knew that. Yeah. Well, it's not. Yeah, it's definitely not news. <laughs> it's just an announcement. <laughs> that was pretty yeah, awesome, awesome, though. Awesome, man. Thank you, Mike. Thanks, Mike. All right. The, the Death that Star was, Bingo. That was really spanky. <laughs> yeah. That was really spanky. Yeah. Spanky even made it into the episode. Oh, that's awesome. That's cool. I was gonna say, you know how the Simpsons started, right? The Simpsons started on the Tracy Ullman show. That's how the Mike D's going to start. Oh, yeah, right. Started on, and nobody even remembers Tracy Ullman. Nobody's going to remember Free Fall. It's just going to be Mike D. Yeah. Yep. The Mike D show. Is he going to be doing it for 30 more years? Yeah. Nice. And I'm okay with that. <laughs> yeah, me too. All right. Uh, Paul. If you yes, want to sir. give, uh, if someone wants to get in touch with you and say, "Hey, you know, I've had this weird flybarless issue on the Neil that I, I really don't know how to figure out," um, and had some questions, how would they contact you? Sure, uh, you can contact me at Paul Andrioli at uh, Facebook.com, or if you would like, if you want to email me, uh, you can email me at heliguy14 at gmail.com, all lowercase, and. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, that's you can contact me. Awesome. All right. All right, yeah, I want to give a, a huge shout-out to Paul uh, for taking the time to come on the show um, and teach us a thing or two about fly tuning. Um, a thing or two. 
we're gonna we're gonna be we're gonna be scratching our heads for the next month. Like, okay, what do you say? Let's try this. Let's try that. Let's try this. Yeah. So yeah, that's gonna be Thanks, great. Thanks, Paul. Thanks no a lot, problem. Paul. If you guys have any other questions, let me know. All right. Sounds good. Hey, I had a uh, shout out to Mike D about he boxed up a bunch of stuff and, and sent it to me. When I say a bunch of stuff, that's an understatement. And I just wanted to thank him. Uh, it's stuff that we can use here on hangar days and get some of these uh, flight test planes going. There was a couple of kits in there. Nice. Uh, a blue, a blue foe. If you know what those oh, are. Pretty, yeah. pretty cool kit. Yeah. And uh, just very generous stuff. You know, I mean, a lot of it's new stuff, never been used, and um, it'll go to good use. That's awesome. awesome. And that's he's given me some stuff, and he's been like, "Listen, if you if you're not going to use it, don't take it." And uh, you know, that's what he's all about, man. Just wants to make sure it's going to go to see some use, you know, for right. good use. Exactly. All right. So, um, Paul, does Paul have to head out? Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry, guys. No, that's yeah. all right. No, I understand. Well, you guys take care, and uh, hopefully I'll see you guys at the next event or maybe uh, at a local field somewhere in the Northeast. Yeah, let me know yeah, if you want to go fly. All right, you guys. You guys take care. Have a great Later, night. Later, man. All right. Thanks, Thanks again, Paul. No problem. You guys take care. Bye. Right. Bye. Bye. Yeah, man. He is an overflowing wealth of information. I would say. Like, what he told me about the question I had just spawned, like, ten more questions. I just hey. didn't want to go down that rabbit hole. You yeah. know, right right now, I figured I'll wait till I see him. Mm-hmm. Maybe we should have him on again for those questions, Kevin, because I'm sure our listeners would like to know. They're not going to be in the field with you. Yeah, maybe. I mean, our listeners understand how much of an idiot I am. I mean, and I just didn't understand the first part, so I, I'm definitely not going to understand the next, like, ten parts. So sure, didn't want to join me on that adventure. Uh huh. Sure. Awesome. Yeah, because I'm sure we're gonna like mess around with settings and have questions. Well, well. Besides that, then it'll be recorded because when he tells you at the field, you're just gonna forget it, and then well, the and, next day uh, no, you'll be like, "What the hell?" I know it's only gonna be a certain amount of time before Andy goes, "Damn it, Kevin, he answered that question. Don't you understand? <laughs> Weren't you listening?" <laughs> You just, damn it, you don't get it. And you'll be like, no, dude, I got drunk last night. I don't remember anything. Oh, God. (laughs) All right. Um, So let's move on to what's next for you, Nobby? Sure. What's next for you guys? Nice. All right. Cool. All right. (laughs) Yeah, what's up, Joey? (laughs) Go first. Mm-hmm. Well, of course, you know, I've been getting ready for the 4th of July flying this weekend and uh, yeah. just uh, looking forward to hopefully some good weather. If not, we'll, uh, we'll just all huddle up in here and put a sock over our head or a bag or something. I don't know. But um, <laughs> face diaper or something like that. <laughs> but, um, are you going to try to blow yourself up again? No, you know what? They, my wife is like, you know, as much as I could really enjoy spending all that life insurance money, <laughs> you know, I kind of like to have you around a little bit longer. You know, 
So uh, I think instead of this this year doing a big explosion, I'm going to do a, just a big bonfire. That works. Yeah, I've been pil- piling brush up for about six months, getting ready for it. And um, okay. I got to get the bobcat out and just really push it up into a nice big pyre. And uh, I got a really neat way of lighting him. And I'll post the video for you to find out. Oh, nice. Flare gun? Yeah. Nope. <laughs> okay. All yeah, right. I'll have to post the video and then I'll post it on the free fall. Yeah, that'd be perfect. Stick a uh, dowel with a burning rag on the end in your tank and drive it up to it. <laughs> that'd work. There you go. That's yeah. how you'll light it. I yeah. tell you what, the poor old mule has been through a lot. Hopefully, we won't have any fires on it, but it's uh, it's gone through some crashes and stuff. <laughs> but it's, you know, I'll be tied up with that through Sunday, then right back to work Monday. Yeah, I'm hoping to get a bunch of flying in. I've got a lot of airplanes I need to get out and fly and knock the dust off of. I've been flying that uh, that Mamba sixty and nice. just. Oh my gosh, man! I'm telling you, I didn't mention it before, but that that thing is just incredible. It's my favorite airplane. Yeah, one of our club members just got it. He's, it's uh, just beginning. Yeah, I mean, it's just um, it's amazing. I got to come it's up amazing. there and get a flight or two on that before you smash yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> before it hits that line. <laughs> yeah, nah, Joy's a pro with that line. Oh, you yeah. can you can just fly that thing like a helicopter underneath that line. Nice. Yeah, it's cool. But uh, that'll be it for me. Hopefully, I'll post a bunch of pictures, and I'll try to remember to cross-post them to Freefall. Cool. What about you guys? Uh, let's see. <clears throat> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to just get out and fly one of the days. Yeah. Probably, I'm thinking maybe, I don't know, Sunday maybe. Um, That's about it, really. And the rest of the time, I just spend spend with the family yeah i'm gonna try and do the same man i'm gonna try and get out one of the days i don't know which day is gonna be better than others and uh i'm just in full blown uh, full blown i'm in like full blown <laughs> droid mode downstairs in the garage man just oh, yeah? printing and printing and now i'm starting to glue all the parts together and and uh just freaking crazy man the amount of shit I got laying around now. Um, there's like feet there and wheels here and parts everywhere, but it's, uh, it's pretty cool, man. The, the, some of the parts are just uh, like, like I was saying before earlier, the tolerances are amazing. I got the, the whole feet drive units together and just unbelievable. And the, and okay. Yeah. It's a 3d printed, you know, part, a big scale size R2D to it. You think, ah, oh, what's it going to weigh? Like twenty pounds? No, this thing's probably going to weigh two hundred pounds. Yeah, easily with all the electronics and batteries, power, everything. Yeah, yeah, man, it's just, it's amazing. It's amazing, dude. Yeah. It's cool. I mean, it's it's a fun. I mean, being a kid that put model cars together and stuff like that, and enjoyed Lego and all that kind of shit when I was really super young. Uh, it's just like a giant kit, you know. It's yeah. it's really cool. Are you um? Have you thought about like? What type of you know? How are you gonna control the thing? Yeah, there's a uh, there's a there's a I think a PS4 controller that's okay. Bluetooth. 
that I yeah. can run through an Arduino and all that kind of stuff. Nice. Okay. Soundboard, cool. everything. Yeah. It's and it's super small. It's like almost, you know, it's almost like a Wii controller type thing where it's like one hand. Okay. So, uh, yeah. I'll probably do something like that. I, I initially, I don't know. Uh, I might hook it up to a regular receiver just to drive it around or see what how it's gonna work. Uh, but I'm not, I'm not there yet, man. Right. Got to have a remote that you can put in your pocket and drive it around, yeah. so little kids yeah. don't know who's driving <laughs> yeah. it. Yep. Yeah. You know, you could put one of those old, uh, what the NASA systems in it and just pre-programming. Yeah. To you know have a pre-recorded flight plan or pathway, I guess you would say. And uh, wonder if you could execute commands through that thing where you could have it say play certain audio files. Oh, I'm sure I could do something like that. Yeah. My, my plan is, you know, the, the wife works for the hospital. I might see if, uh, and I can go to maybe the, the kids board with it or just something, right, right. see what goes on with that once it's done, which is going to be a while though. Mm-hmm. The sanding and painting is going to take a while. Um, yeah. you should do that, but while you're finishing, you need to print out a, uh, something else, a costume to wear with it. Yeah. Darth Vader costume, Stormtrooper, something. Stormtrooper, yeah. I have you know, to lose weight. Well, C three PO. You have to lose a lot of weight. Lose a lot of weight. Yeah. No, you dude, know that what? Guy, though that guy needs a team to get into that costume. Like it's <laughs> oh ridiculous what he goes through. But you know what? They've got PLA now that you could print that would look almost that good. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen some of these silk. Uh, John printed out a little thing the other day out of that red silk PLA. Unbelievable. I mean, it's just unbelievable the definition you can get with it. Yeah, I mean, I started with the with the one with Hatchbox. I was going with that PLA uh, a lot, and mm-hmm. it's good, but it, I'm finding that, and I've gotten some other specialty like PLA, like copper and, and some greens and stuff like that to print out other things, but... Uh, Man, to go through to just to go to if you find another manufacturer of filament that actually works well with your machine, it's just amazing. Like what their how different their colors are. Like I got some red filament in the uh, the other the PLA plus type stuff that I was using, and it's really like a matte red, kind of like a uh, Ferrari, like but matte red. There's no gloss to it at all, so it, it, the prints come out really a lot different than mm-hmm. than the Hatchbox stuff that comes out. You know, on yeah. red. So it's 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 pretty cool hobby to a hobby or whatever. But uh yeah, I'm trying to get out and fly. Getting back to um RC, man. Definitely want to get out and fly the helis and uh I wanna get I'm kinda like wanna get some planes going, man. Take my Sequoia downfield or figure out something with the S Bach and get that going again. I'm still mm-hmm. thinning that herd too, the planes. Still getting rid of some stuff. But that's it for me. What about you, Andy? Let's see. This weekend, I'm going to watch Star Wars Episode 4, 5, and 6. And then... Really? Yeah. Let's see. What else am I going to do? Continue with this rock-busting project that I've somehow got roped into doing. It's going to be keep me busy the next three or four days. Uh, I might order a 3D printer. Really? Oh really? You got the Ender Three Pro on sale right now for two oh nine. 
do they? Jeez, I, gotta, I can hear. I gotta get something. I hear Mike Sobey's eyes rolling right now. I'm no, telling right you, right the back of his head. That is the <laughs> best overall printer <laughs> there is. Yeah, yeah. I'm telling you, overall for the price point, that thing for I'm, the I'm price, printing on maybe. it right now, and that thing prints like a boss, nonstop. Yeah, I gotta get guy. Gotta get one sometime, eventually. I'm actually looking to buy another one. Yeah, well, do to keep from buying another one right now. When the when the helicopters haven't frustrated you enough, Andy, just buy a three D printer. Yeah, <laughs> right. Can, I know. <laughs> well, so you can I'm, yell and curse some more. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's like now I'm starting to need things. I was like, yeah, that would actually 3D print pretty well, this or that or the mm. other. Yeah. So I just dread fooling with it and having to learn it and all that. But I got to get not one. not that bad. I think no. you'd really, I think you'd take well to it. Yeah. Yeah, see, I, I, I dread it. And then I was like, well, damn, if George could do it, shit. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> George and Kevin could do it. Hell, anybody probably You could. know, if a guy knows how to skin a squirrel, he can do it. 3D printer. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I don't know how to skin a squirrel. Oh, really? Yeah, I didn't no. get my squirrel skinning badge. No. Oh man. Well, what you do is you take your take your knife, and you know, sharpest blade, preferably. Some, of course. Sometimes they use exacto knife. But go right around its tail. Just cut cut through the hide all around its tail, and then put your foot on that tail and grab it by the meat on the legs. And just skin it off all the way to the nose. Just jerk it off real fast. You'll have you a pretty little pink squirrel there with glaring eyes looking up at you with no eyelids. It just right. comes right off. Yeah. So there you go. I'm feeling queasy now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know what else I'm doing. That's all right. Probably it. Enjoy your fourth. I'm I'm busy. Yeah, I gotta work. I got I got spraying to do, freaking stupid ass rocks to bust and haul. I got a million damn things going. I'm not even gonna pro- probably won't even get to go up to Georgia's. Oh man, um, yeah. I, I haven't seen you since. Let's see, last year probably. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, no, know. you came you came down and brought me that. Uh, oh, that's right. I come that visit. little helicopter. Yeah. But um, it's yeah, been a while. That's why back in like February or something. Bring one of your Flex Innovation down there, down and, and a couple of the nitros, and put on some shows for us. All that stuff's broken. What? <laughs> it's broke. No, I got one QQ three hundred. It's fine, but my Cap two thirty two is broke, and my normal three hundred is broke. My five five six is broke, so yeah, I got a lot of shit broke around here. I'm broke. Damn, dude. Fix some shit, will you? Yeah. Well, I'm broke, so. Oh. Yeah. Got it. Yep. Broke and lazy. It's a bad right. combination. <laughs> what about you, Steve? <laughs> Did you go? You went already. Yeah. So we're done. Yeah, we're done. <laughs> All, right. All right. Do we have any listener pipeline? Uh, we do not. All right. 
Uh, do you guys want to do a wrap up or? I think it's going to be short. Let's just do it real quick. Just I, wrap I it. I don't think we right, got well, a lot gotta, of stuff. I got to look up the Facebook okay. shit. I didn't even look. Oh, what is? Wait, wait, wait. Let me go back to that. Wait, hold on. Oxy helicopters. I smell nitro. Mm. Maybe there will be, will be some news announcements soon. All right, let's wrap it up. All right, let's wrap it up. Okay, Facebook likes. We are at 1,308 likes. That's plus one uh, this week. And this is perfect for Mike. Uh, we have BJ Claude Filter. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> BJ Claude Filter? Claude Filter? Yeah. Claude, Claude Filter? Filter? I don't know. C L O D F E L T R. Claude Filter? I don't know. Maybe okay. you say it in an accent, maybe? Um, yeah, that's what we have. All right. What do we have for Facebook comments? Uh, Facebook comments. We have a few comments on our last episode. 231, Go Bag of Tools. Uh, one is from Ian Joel. He said, when it comes to fun flies, I bring my whole rigid stack, starting from the top. It's just charger. Oh. Soldering stuff is in there. Uh, middle is mainly tools maintenance, dry lube, Loctite grease, other commonly used miscellaneous stuff. And bottom is spare parts, beer koozies, and soldering station. <laughs> but um, he also goes on to say on any given weekend, he'll either just take his, uh, his driver set pliers or the top two boxes. Mm-hmm. And uh, he comes to the same conclusion that I, I do uh, as far as storage. The rigid stack in his house pretty simple. Just tucked away in a corner room somewhere. What I actually did was made a little wooden piece that the bottom one goes in that has you know casters on it and uh so i can roll that to the edge of the garage if i want to i actually roll it underneath something when i'm not using it uh works out pretty good nice uh rod gullet said kevin here's the youtube link for the printing stuff from mcmaster car pretty neat uh where i guess anything on mcmaster car that has uh, stls you can actually download it and print it yeah, a lot of their parts have CAD drawings and 3D yeah. model oh, right. stuff, and you can convert them over to something else and print it out. Yeah, that was, I didn't realize it, but that's uh, the AVE. You guys ever watch him? No, I haven't, YouTube? but I did check that oh, out. Oh, he's the fucking greatest. It was pretty funny. Keep your dick in a vice. <laughs> <laughs> um, Michael Shaggy Parker did something I didn't think he was going to do for months. He told Mike D what his weakness is. And he said, uh, Mike D, you nailed D on it. Uh, in reference to Mike D's episode last week, well, except the man crush part. So in oh, other boy. words, Mike D, you nailed it perfectly. 100%. Nailed it. Mm-hmm. Yep. And Cliff Lewis said the planker segment was absolutely awesome. It was spot on. Yep. So even Cliff agrees. Yep. Mm-hmm. Got the Cliff seal of approval. Yep. Awesome. All right. Uh, what's next on here? Oh, wait a minute, dude. One oh, more thing. More? Um, okay. One more uh, so, uh, comment on Facebook that I saw was from our post. Uh, we post like Fridays usually yeah. with the Discord link about what time we're going to sim and AccuRC and blah, blah, blah. And Dave Hill posted, here's what I got, what I was doing until it got dark. And he was doing some FPV quad racing. Uh, good to hear from Dave. Joking. Bandhauer said, I would like to join, but it's 2 a.m. where I live, so maybe in the future you could plan another schedule. Uh, so I wanted to just 
say that to maybe we can. Yeah, man, come over to six. Yeah. Or do it on a Saturday or something. Maybe yeah. Or, or Sunday. In the morning or something. Yeah. Monday morning. We all cut class and uh, go on the sim. Uh, well, all right. Uh, so what's next? <laughs> Since I got crickets on that bad joke. All right. Facebook uh, listener post. What do we got there? Yeah, I don't know. All right. We have one post that I can see. And that's uh, thank you, Jamie Burkholder, for posting this. It's a picture of Tom Shin performing a wake-up call at Dragonfly Funfly. So, yeah, this past. uh, Yeah. Hmm. Uh, Yeah. Eric Shu said too early. Um, I think I post this. Nice, proper wake-up call. We can go back to bed. That's Nitro in the air. There's Nitro in the air. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I think that's all we got. Nice. Okay. Uh, Let's see. Facebook comments. Do we have any Facebook comments? Or not Facebook. Website comments. Duh. Website comments. Wait a minute. I think we did get something on the website. Um, where'd it go? So I know. Um, Damn I know it, we I got one here. from Paul Rabinsky. Yeah, we got one from Paul, and we got one from David Hill. Yeah, so we got a website comment from uh, Paul Ribsky. Mm-hmm. Uh, pretty, pretty cool model uh, of a twin Rex scale tandem Chinook model. And he said he wanted to give a, a shout out to Joe Orlando over at Tech Model Products for his Twin Rex Scale Tandem Chinook kit. And he linked it to uh, it's tech mp.com, Twin Rex with two N's and two X's. Uh-huh. HTM. Uh, this is a pretty cool kit that provides the internal structures and custom gearing and requires a separate purchase of the head assemblies from uh, T Rex 450 Pro. So it's two of those. The original design used a fly bar head style, but you can build it as a fly barless system if you use something like a Bavarian Demon S3X, which has a special mode for tandem helis, which we found out a couple of years ago at the um, Torches event when we saw mm-hmm. that, that huge one. He yeah. says, unfortunately, the S3X seems to be discontinued, but folks at Bavarian Demon said they will still make it available uh, on special order if you have a tandem you're building. He said that that's not the only choice, though. Uh, Tech Model Products site describes their other gyro electronics option. I would go with the Bavarian Demon, personally, Mm -hmm. if I was doing this. Me too. Mm -hmm. Joe sells a separate canopy kit that you need to cut out and paint and assemble yourself. I love the look of the final product and hope to get my kit in here sometime soon, he says. This is the first scale kit he's ever attempted. Wow. And if you don't mind kit bashing... The old micro-sized Nine Eagles Bravo SX MD500s. It's been really interesting build so far. I wonder why I have to kitbash those. I was saying um, this is his first scale build if you don't count the kitbashing. Yeah. Oh, if you don't old, count. If you don't count the old ones he did. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. That's okay. the way I read it. Nice. Yeah, I can't read. <laughs> Me There's either. a dedicated section over at Heli Freak where you can get help from the few folks that have built these. That's pretty awesome. Uh, thanks, Paul. And he says, please know he's not affiliated with Tech Model Products in any way. As far as I'm aware, this is the only collective pitch tandem heli kit out there. And he'd like to see it stay in business so he can get replacement parts. Yeah, it's <laughs> pretty cool. I'd love to have a Chinook or some sort. Yeah. That'd, be, that'd be crazy, man. That'd be real cool. Locked and the then he says, ever. 
uh, FYI, Kevin, my last name is pronounced Ribsky. Okay, I must have I must have pronounced it Ribinsky or something. Nice. Uh, that was the only um, email we got. Well, David okay. Hill Steve, sent right? us an uh, oh, right. email. He yep, said he's, a he's been swagged. He's got a picture of him holding up our shirt. Mm-hmm. So thanks, guys. Next time, pink. And okay. he says, send me your thoughts. We can make that happen. Mm-hmm. Thoughts or sketches about the logo design. I can mock those up. Just need a starting point, David. Yeah, definitely. Awesome, so, Dave. Thanks, Dave. Yeah, we'll definitely take your bonnet. Just we're slow. <laughs> we're lazy. <laughs> well, we're waiting for some listeners to send us a design. So send us some designs or ideas, guys. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Uh, people of Podbean. Uh, people of Podbean had a few things happening. Cesar started following us. S. Layerson. And Mike Welch, Helly Fun, and AAAA all liked episode 231. Go Bag of Tools. And that's all that's new on Podbean. So thanks, guys. Do we have any uh, Podbean comments? Yes, we do. Uh, let's see. We have one comment from Jared4454. Uh, something that you guys didn't mention that I like to do when I'm working on the bench. If you take two of the motor wires and reverse them, it makes the motor spin backwards. So that way, if you accidentally spool it up, you need to turn the motor on for any reason. It just spins the one-way bearing. That's smart. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Right? Because, like, you you know, if you want to do, like, your ESC endpoints, you need to have the motor connected to hear the beeps. And so just hook it up backwards. You'll still hear the beeps. But if it actually spins up, It'll just been your main gear if you're one way, so you'll be fine. Yeah. That's one of those things where you don't think about doing, but now that you've heard it, you kind of log it and you're like, Yeah. Hmm. If that ever comes up, hey, I know I know what to do. That's awesome, man. Yeah, great tip. You guys All are right, so smart. <laughs> All right, let's move it on to iTunes reviews. iTunes. Andy, did you see anything? Um no, I didn't look, so I didn't no. see anything. I'm looking. <laughs> I, I thought you were going to beat me to the punch again. I forgot. I got distracted by Podbean. Podbean is distracting. I am looking. Hold on. Um. Oh, we have a new iTunes review. No way. Yeah. Shut the door. Get really? up off the floor. I can't believe it. Yeah, I think this is a new one. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's entitled, can it get any better question mark by Steve, but not Mr. Miata, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> and he says, Hey, free fall guys. I think I know who this is. Yeah. Uh, it is amazing how your episodes just keep getting better. Thank you for your dedication, your free time each week to make the podcasts happen. We all appreciate it. For those listeners who have not joined the AccuRC Sim sessions Friday nights, you are missing is missing out on a great opportunity to socialize with the Freefall RC podcast gang, or at least everyone but George. Aww, <laughs> gotta get George on there. <laughs> uh, it even got better last Friday when Mike D figured out how to sim. Happy Fourth of July! Awesome, thanks. Five man. stars. That's cool. Thank That's you, Steve, but not me, out of Steve. <laughs> That's just. Cool. Not the Miata Steve. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Thanks, man. Thanks for the podcast review. 
Yeah, Steve, thank you. Mr. Steve. Mm-hmm. And yeah, uh, the Friday night sim sessions are are pretty awesome. Yeah. And not just to hang out with us, man. Just like he said, hang out with the whole gang, man. Uh-huh. Uh, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Get to hear the Planker live, too. And, and Gray Eagle and go, Shaggy going at it. Go, yeah. uh, 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 yeah. Gummy <laughs> worms. <laughs> exactly. Awesome. All right. So drop us an iTunes review. We'll read the review on the next episode. Thank you, Steve. Email us at freeforc at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash podcast. Check out our webpage, show. Say hi to Chris. Hey, Chris. Flight Test Forums, off the field, audio, video production, audio, flight test podcast, freeforc podcast. <laughs> I can't say it any faster than that. Uh, freeforc podcast. Say hi to David Hill, aka hey. Hill the Flyer. Hey, Dave. Hi, David Hill, Hill the Flyer. Yeah. Fellow podcasters, Helly Heads Podcast. That's um, Kevin, Mike. Dan and Scott. Telerotor Podcast. Telerotor is two mics, a rich and a Robert. BKRC. Is Bert and Kyle. RC Roundtable. That's what Fitz, Terry, and Lee. RC After Hours. That's what Andre. High Voltage. With Mr. Watts. Skids Up. Skids Up with Paul, Frank, Javier, and... Is there another Scott on that show? I don't know. I, don't I know think Scott's in my... Oh, yeah. Scott was like, you know what? I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Inverted down under. That's what Jeff and Ozzy. Park Flyer Podcast. Park Flyers with like four mics from Texas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you need... Houdini RC podcast or Heli podcast. Sorry, that's what Richard. Um, and know. it sounds like Kenny Kenny's, and Brent. Uh, yeah, wait a minute, Kenny and Brent got labor, right? Yeah, and Brent. Yeah, and, and Cartman. Yeah, <laughs> Kyle, Stan, Kyle. <laughs> All right, and you bastards! <laughs> you get it. Uh, let's see here. And make sure, I don't even know, does Bill even have a YouTube channel and anymore? Speaking of a bastard. <laughs> wow. Bill in. Oh, God. YouTube. I did not go there, but the does Bill even have a YouTube child of YouTube. The bastard <laughs> child of the internet. Bill and YouTube. He does have a YouTube channel. And it is worth a watch. It is matter, worth a watch. As much as I bust his chops, go check it out. Awesome. Just, just check it out. <laughs> All right. Thanks to our listeners. Be our skies, and we will see you next time. See ya. Bye. Goodbye, George. Good night, George. Good night, George. Good night, Something outdoors would be fine, right? Yeah, Steve. Yeah, drinking you gotta, outdoors. Yeah, drinking outdoors. It's it's a it's a new summer filled hobby. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. Of course, I didn't check it at first, and uh, first <laughs> first the nozzle unscrewed out of it, and I ran about five hours of bent plastic.
<laughs> all over the shop. I mean, it would snap and break and shoot. There's still, I'm, I'm finding pieces way over in the middle of my table. It's like 16 <laughs> feet away. Oh, Jesus. And then, after I got that snugged up into another print about 17 hours, the whole extruder came off. Both the whole extruder came off. The whole extruder came off. Bent oh the my shield, God. Broke the auto level uh, plunger. And um, I was about ready to do a dance on it. Good thing I had screwed it down from my table I've got it on, or I probably would have. Wow. How old? 26. Yeah, I got the shoes older than that. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. It's like two episodes ago, bro. You're, yeah. you're late. Dude. I, I just found it, dude. <laughs> you should put it in this episode. Tell me why not, Chris. Like, we forgot to put this in too. <laughs> you go, Chris Springs. Yeah, it took us this long to find it. Cool. <laughs> okay. I don't know why I'm answering because I don't know shit about anything. <laughs> like, I have no idea. Like, oh, yeah, maybe I don't know. <laughs> answer like I know something. I really am just an I don't idiot. Know my password for that shit. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> we'll deal with it. Yeah, I mean, you know, try to. Um, if you can mute between, that's fine. That's what I'm gonna do. All right. All right. Let's do this then. Muting. Perfect. Awesome.